Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of Serious Issues is brought to you by Geek Fuel. Go to geekfuel.com slash serious issues and check out what you could be getting once a month. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My name's Siobhan Coombs. Decidedly less excited. Sorry. <laughs> I could do that again and be more excited. Okay. My name is... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll do it exactly the same okay. time. Right. Whoever's the most excited, uh, show of hands for uh, for Siobhan, show of hands for... We've got, we've got King's Comics stuff here. Yeah, they, can, they can decide. Okay, one, two, three. My, My name's Siobhan <laughs> <laughs> Um, every week we review all of last week's comics because guess what, everyone? We read them all. Yay! And, um, we read comics from Marvel. We read comics from DC. We read comics from Image. We read comics from other. Um, and uh, I think it's another enormous week where there's more than fifty. So uh, bear with us. It's going to be a long ride, but it's going to yeah, be an exciting one. We kick off every single episode of Serious Issues by reviewing all the new number ones that came out last week, and uh, I'm going to start things off with an Australian comic. Which is very exciting. Mm, absolutely. Maybe that was why I was so excited in the intro. But weirdly, that why wasn't Siobhan as excited about Clever Man than I was? I don't know. Throwing I under the bus here. really, really love the TV show Clever Man. Um, for any, it's really funny because I think Clever Man actually has a bit more of a presence overseas than it does in Australia. Like, really? Um, we had Ryan Griffin, who is the creator of Clever Man, and Hunter Page. Lockhart, who is the star of Clever Man, in at King's Comics to sign um, copies of Number One just last week, which was very cool and very exciting. Um, and all of the sort of regular King's Comics Thursday night crew were coming through and being like, oh, I've never heard of this show. Um, what is it? Tell me all about it. But it, it's on, I think because it's on US Netflix and it right. is, comes up as like recommended watching after Luke Cage and stuff like that. Oh, sure. I think a lot of um, a lot of US people might might be more familiar with it. So Clever Man is a series that was uh, created and put out on uh, the ABC network in Australia. Um, and it is a, um, uh, a program that has been written and, uh, and directed, written by Ryan Griffin, uh, who himself is an Aboriginal writer. Um, and uh, this, this series... Mm-hmm which we'll be uh, going in-depth with with Ryan later mm. in the week. We might do a little bonus episode with Ryan this week. Um, the series is uh, 
it's hard one to explain, but basically it is like a black Australian superhero uh, yep. series. Absolutely. Um, that has ties into like the Aboriginal dreaming, which is, I guess, the oldest mm-hmm. form of storytelling in the mm-hmm. country that we're in right now. And um, yeah, it features a lot of um, prominent Aboriginal actors and even, even rappers uh, yep. in, are in the cast. Unfortunately, and probably due to the fact that I have two kids, um, <laughs> actually, I shouldn't complain because I managed to read 50 comics with two kids. Yeah, but for some say. reason, watching a homegrown Australian <laughs> series is impossible. I've not watched any of Clever Man. I have the DVD. Yeah. We're going to meet with Ryan this week. I'm going to try and watch at least two episodes before we see him. How many episodes is the series? It's only it's only six episodes. Are you serious? Yeah. I suck. It's heaps bingeable as well. <laughs> like, it's really... Um, I did a little rewatch of... I got through, like, five episodes which is unusual for me. I find it hard to sit and like just watch something like that. Um, but it's like got some of the best Australian talent in it. Mm-hmm. Some of like incredible direction, like Leah Purcell directs a whole bunch of it. Some of the best Australian actors, like Deborah Mailman is in it. And I have like Briggs. Yeah. Briggs, the, Briggs the Australian rapper is in it. He's very, very good. He's really good in it. He should do more <laughs> acting. But um, beyond that, like Ryan's just a really good, he's a really good storyteller. Um, it's an incredibly like, compelling as a you know very relevant piece of work for australia but also like internationally um but also it's just like it's a fucking really good superhero story you know yeah i heard that from a lot of a lot of friends that don't you know that don't don't watch don't read comics but mm. but you know watch the superhero tv shows that that, that was just as good Absolutely. if not better than the, yeah. the, you know, and everything else we see brian was saying that season two is just going to be even better that's amazing Are the episodes half hour or hour long uh, i think they're like 45 minutes to okay. an hour. Maybe I can do the entire series before Wednesday. You have the faith. Um, so uh, let's stop talking about stupid television because it's Ooh. a comic book podcast. And uh, the reason we gave you a nice little intro to what Clever Man is, um, is uh, that they have released the official Clever Man comic. So I went into this going, okay, you know, open mind. Uh-huh. And, I know, and it sounds cynical. Mm. But I was like, you know, this is an Australian produced comic. Yeah. The track record, unfortunately, for Australian produced com- com- uh, comics isn't great. There, yeah. There are 100% some great things out there. Some of them won awards last week at the uh, at the ledges. Yeah. Go check them out. They're great. Absolutely. But, you know, very it's you very rarely see like a, a, a an issue of a comic that coming Absolutely. out in Australia, self-produced And I think, I think a lot of the problem is that there's just not, there's not the same like money um, in the Australian comic book industry that there is in America, yeah, unfortunately. Exactly. So a lot of the time things will be not as well produced or it'll take a really long time for stuff to come out. Um, yeah. And so this has been written by Ryan Griffin, again, creator of, of the television show, and uh, Wolfgang uh, Bilsma uh, wrote this with him. I'd, I'm not familiar with Wolfgang, unfortunately, but I know Ryan is not doesn't have a history in writing comic books. No. Um, and normally when we see, you know, even in mainstream comics, uh, someone who has been writing television or movies for ages, making the jump to comics, that the first comic is always awkward. Mm. There's way too much text. There's way too much dialogue. They over-explain things. They don't, you know, they, 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 they tell instead of show. Yeah, which um, is weird. For people who write TV. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, okay, here we go. Like, expecting that. Mm. Out the gate, the first two pages, there's, like, three three word balloons. Mm-hmm. And then we get this incredible, very well choreographed fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the art in this book is by um, Emily K. Smith, with color assists by James Brewer and Justin Randall. Uh, and uh, letters, letters, sorry, letters, um, letters by uh, the uh, co-writer Wolfgang Bilsma. But I just like this was just expertly told. It really, really drew me into mm-hmm. this world that I don't know enough about from the television show. I mean, I, I'm keen to hear your thoughts, knowing that this is this is a prequel to the television show, yeah. right? Um, it basically introduces uh, 
a, a, a couple of characters who I, I assume are in the show um, mm-hmm. at some point. I don't know how far before the series is this set. This is set like pretty um, immediately before the series, and this gives you a little bit of backstory and introduces you to a character who you haven't seen before, but is related to a character in the show that you're pretty familiar with. Right, sure. And so, like the kind of overall synopsis for this book is that you know, in the near future from now, creatures from ancient mythology, and that's Aboriginal mythology. This isn't like Norse mythology. This yep. isn't. This is a. This is a an untapped. Mythology that you know we don't yeah. get very much of at all in in, in, in comic book media or media in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, creatures from an ancient mythology have emerged and must coexist with humans. Known as hairy people, they must live amongst humans and battle for survival in a world that wants to exploit and destroy them. It is a you know a, a, a scenario that we've seen a lot of times in, a, in 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 comic books, but we haven't seen it in Australia, let mm-hmm. alone with Aboriginal heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, again, you know, like, like the show is an important show. This is an important book too, and reading it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a great, great issue of comics, yeah. and it's such a like impressive thing that it is. Um, it does a really good job of really quickly and efficiently introducing you to this world, and it's satisfying to read as a fan of the show, but also to it, like as an introduction into this world and to make you want to watch the TV show. I think it's a really clever way for them to have done it, um, and I think it's really brilliant. And I think a lot of it has to do with you know, um, obviously Ryan really trusts Emily to communicate what he's trying to say, and I think that comes across really well. Um, and I think it's just really, really well written, really tightly plotted. Um, yeah, it's only going to be three issues, right, which sure. I think is cool, and then it'll be available in trade. So hopefully he's going to get those um, together pretty quickly. But yeah, really, really great start to the comic. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. This is awesome, and and like, I love that. Like, there are derogatory terms used towards the hairy people, mm-hmm. but they're not the awful derogatory terms that we're used to hearing. Yeah. In Australia. Yeah. They're new ones that have been invented for this for, for the for these characters. Like I love that, yeah. They, they, because they're hairy, they get called rugs. Yeah, which I think is, is is really clever. And it's a very interesting thing about the show is that like, as there becomes a subsection of humans that are considered lower than the lower classes, and the like are considered um, more other than Indigenous people in Australia are now. Indigenous people are therefore more accepted, and so there's becomes this other like. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, it's a very like it's a very very clever way that they've done it. It's really brilliant. This is a great comic. I really hope it finds its way to you know, someone over at Marvel or, yeah. or DC or Image because Ryan Griffin is definitely a, a great voice in in, in, in comics. Absolutely. Someone that should be given the chance to write. You know, we know he's a massive comic book fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to explore that further this week when we get to speak to him. Yeah, absolutely. Also, that's Clever Man number one. Um, please, if, if you are able to track, track, track a copy down, definitely uh, pick it up. Or Yep, it's available online at kingscomics.com. Um, yep. We even might still have a couple of signed copies, um, which would be heaps worthwhile. Otherwise, you can contact Gestalt Comics. Gestalt Comics. that's the publisher. Gestalt Comics and Goalpost Pictures. So I guess they're, they're, that's the production company yeah, who do the show. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so cool. And, and, and great to read and begin the show with an Australian comic yeah, too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, now over to the other comics. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel this week uh, released a very high profile number one, and that is a new Spider-Man book. It's called Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. It's been written by Chip Zdarsky, who we all know as the uh, artist of Sex Criminals, but also the writer of a lot of, uh, of the funnier um, Marvel books um, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. We saw Howard the Duck. Um, and uh, more recently, he took a kind of serious turn when he did his Star-Lord book. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite things about his Howard the Duck run was whenever Spider-Man would show up because he wrote a very funny Spider-Man. 
Um, so I was looking forward to this. Um, then I saw that the art was by Adam Kubert, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'll, I'll still look forward to it. Yeah. But it's it's uh, the definition of polishing a turd because it is <laughs> Adam Kubert colored by Geordie Belair. And, yeah, uh, it absolutely. Looks, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really does improve. It really does improve his work. So this kind of takes a stance as a point of difference from the very tech-focused um, mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man book that, that Dan Slott has been writing for the last 50 years. Um, <laughs> this is kind of like, even though it's the, the same version of Peter Parker, this is his, this, this, ca- this character that we see him take on here. It's, it's all, and the troubles he fa- faces are very classic. It's his, you know, him, him mm-hmm. doing the dating thing again and talking he's to his aunt. He's always late. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, some things are timeless. And uh, so... Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I thought this was going to be a flashback book, like the Spidey book um, mm-hmm. that, is that Robbie Thompson does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's, it's kind of another coexisting Spider-Man book in a time in which we do not need any more Spider-Man books. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so the kind of, we just kind of sit, this opens with, with Spidey and, and the Human Torch, um, who is Fantastic Fallless, um, sitting on top of a building, having a chat. Um, it, there's a joke every every minute. Mm-hmm. Every second, mm-hmm. a lot of jokes in this because it is Zadarsky in full comedy mode, um, and uh, then we kind of see a new a new character introduced, and it is the uh, the brother of uh, a Spider-Man foe, the Tinkerer. Except his brother tries to do good, and kind of everyone in the tech tech superhero community uh, works with him, but Spider-Man's never heard of him, and that's kind of setting the scene of what this book is about. Yeah. He also stops a stops a a girl from being robbed, although she's quite capable of handling herself. And then she asks him on a date. She's a stand up comedian mm-hmm. um, with cool hair. She has cool hair, everyone. And at the end, there is a cliffhanger in which uh, Spider Man's um, sister mm. pops up out of nowhere. Mm. So that's a thing. Yeah, because we need another Spider Person. Absolutely. <laughs> is, she, is this a character that's existed before in Spider Man? Peter Parker's sister, Teresa. Do you know one of our um, listeners, Travis, who uh, we previously helped kickstart a comic for, has started his own YouTube channel in which he explains... Yeah, way to set up some competition, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's next, a podcast? We're going to have to <laughs> fucking kickstart your podcast, Travis. When does it end? <laughs> um, but uh, he, he did a, a video. His first video was explaining. Okay. But I didn't watch it. Oh, <laughs> no, did I clearly haven't. God, I'm terrible. <laughs> hey, we gave him money. It's fine. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know who that character is. I also don't know if I gave a fuck about this book. Yeah, you know, I was, I I had much higher expectations of this book because I like Chip Zdarsky so much, and I think I think maybe part of the issue of it for me is that Adam Kubert isn't a comedy artist, and so there were certain bits where like I, he wasn't really selling the gag for me, and it meant that there was a lot more. Like it was a very wordy book. Like there's a lot of text in this. So much text, um, and, and 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 ugly art. I thought in places yeah. too. So like you open up a page, a random page of this book, it doesn't look like a comic that you want to read. No, no, and it doesn't look like a Spider-Man comic that I want to read. And it's like this. I, I liked the concept. Like I liked the idea of the Tinkerer having a brother, um, who you know. Does helps good. out the good guys, and there were some there were some funny jokes about this. Like there were some great jokes throughout yeah. the book. I don't, I don't want to discount that at all. But Ant Man being stuck, being a little bit too short, was pretty funny. And then the Tinkerer fixes his uh, his outfit, so he's always th- uh, like an inch higher now, yeah. inch taller. He's like, oh, yeah, of course I could do that. That's great. He's like, why didn't I think of that in the first place? Um, and so I was like, oh, this is a real bummer um, yeah. of a book. I, I mean, I, I liked you know I love the, the friendship between Human Torch and, and Spidey is a great one, and it was mm-hmm. good to revisit that. But um, 
overall, like, you know, he ends up being taken out by a villain that looks like Iron Man, or mm-hmm. like more specifically Ironheart, but it's not Ironheart. I don't know. I don't know why we need another Iron... Like, the last thing... The only thing we need less than more spider books is Iron Man-related yeah, heroes. absolutely. Agreed. Um, or bad guys. Um, but, uh, so it ended, I was like, oh, I guess that's that. And then there's a backup. And the backup is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by um, uh, Goran Parlov, who mm-hmm. I know best from uh, his work with Garth Ennis on um, Punisher Max and Fury Max, which are both the best things that Garth Ennis has done, in my opinion. Was he the artist on Starlight as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, I was like, fuck, this art rules. Yeah. This art was amazing. Like, why didn't he just do the whole book? It would have mm. been such a cool thing. Anyway, whatever. Cube sells, I guess. But Yeah. But um, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So we're asking everyone listening right now, why does Cupid sell? <laughs> but, uh, and the backup was, um, it kind of felt like newer territory. And, mm. and uh, it was basically Black Widow um, testing Spider-Man's powers mm. for a uh, sinister organization. Yes. Um, that was much better. Like, that was fun. That was way more fun. And mm. so I'm almost like, oh, maybe I'll stick with it to see where that goes. But nothing that was introduced in the main book I really care about. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a couple of issues, because I like. I like some of the things that were introduced. Um, it's and I'm so, a sucker, so I'll keep reading yeah. it for a little while. Anyway. It's so hard to commit to reading a second issue of a book you didn't love so much when it's as wordy as this is. Yeah, totally. You just because you like it, it always makes you way to the bottom of the pile. It's like oh, I could read three books I don't want to read, yeah. or one book I don't want to <laughs> read. <laughs> I think um, we have a very unique relationship with comics. <laughs> that's true. But look, I think a lot of people are responding really well to this book. I think a lot of yeah. people uh, find Slot's take on Spider-Man and I guess how long it's been going on very daunting. Yeah. And this is a pretty good entry point. So on that, for that, I definitely will recommend it. Yeah. If you're looking for like a Spider-Man comic that doesn't have as much context and continuity as the Slot book, this is probably a better one. Yeah. Uh, Marvel put two more number ones out this week. Uh, we got a new Secret Empire uh, spin-off and a uh, the start of a uh, mini event uh, that combines Weapon X with um, Totally Awesome Hulk, uh, written by Greg Pak, with um, art by Mahmoud Azra. That's right. Who I like a lot. Does he do the Totally Awesome Hulk art, or he's sometimes? Weapon X. Oh yeah, right, sure. Um, so basically, Weapon X has been toying around with um, all these different mutants they've stolen. You can see their adventures in Weapon X, but now they're going to start breeding Hulk mutants. Basically, they're trying to make, once more, they're trying to be like, let's make the sickest mutants possible for nefarious reasons. Um, And they're being headed up by Reverend Stryker. So the reason is obviously to kill all mutants. And so they've gotten like all of the best bits of all of the various Weapon X um, bros. (laughs) Like uh, Warhawk, is that his name? Um, Warpath. Warpath. Um, I was close. And Deadpool and all of the guys. And now they're like, we also want them to, we want them to be Hulk. Deadpool isn't in this. No, but he has shown up. In oh right, they've, sure. they've used. They've him got his body parts and Lady Deathstrike and stuff like that. Um, and so they're also trying to get Hulk in them. Yeah, so this, uh, this I, I dropped Weapon X and I never got into Totally Awesome Hulk and this book did not convince me to start reading either. <laughs> As someone who's reading both of them for reasons that I don't quite understand myself, I quite enjoyed this. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Um, it's silly. It's definitely very, very silly. Um, but I like Azra's art. I think that there's some like fun to be had in pitting some of these characters against each other. Look, to quote, my friend, to quote my friend and co-host, Siobhan Coombs, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> also, it's aggressively not for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Secret Empire Underground number one, written by Jeremy Whitler, Whitley, sorry, with uh, art by Eric Coder. 
colors by Antonio Fabella. Um, they are putting out one of these new, new Secret Empire tie-in number ones each week, and uh, they all kind of focus on different parts of the Marvel Universe in this uh, Hydra crap. The, oh, wow. <laughs> I went there without even thinking about it. Hydra crap. Um, wow, I'm so edgy. <laughs> um, but this, this focused on, um, on the underground, which is uh, uh, the kind of resistance against mm. Hydra crap. And they're trying to um, track down bits of the fragments of the cosmic cube to turn Steve back into Steve. This sends um, these this team of uh, heroes, which includes Mockingbird, Sam Wilson, Ant Man, Iron Man's AI, um, Quicksilver, and Hercules uh, to the Savage Land. And I was like, "Well, oh, this will be fun." Guess hmm. what? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't really that fun. Um, the art was better than I think it deserved. I think that there was like. Like, there was the potential for this to be good fun because, like, it's that stupid... What's the Savage Land guy who's, like, the annoying pterodactyl like pants Sauron on? or whatever. Yeah, Sauron. Yeah. Um, he's pretty funny. But I think it's hard to it's hard to make something good out of this. Yeah. So, I guess every one of these books deals with a cosmic fragment. Yeah. Cosmic cube fragment. I don't know. This was this was whatever. This yeah. was, it wasn't fine. I'll give you that much. No. But uh, it wasn't awful. Quite awful, yeah, either. There were a couple of fun moments with Hercules and um, Mockingbird, but that was kind of it. Yeah. So that was that. Yep. (laughs) DC this week. Uh, Oh, boy. I (laughs) can't wait to say that's that again. Um, DC put out two more of their uh, Looney Tunes tie-ins. Last week we got um, Bugs Bunny and the League of Superheroes. Legion. Legion of Superheroes. And uh, we also got Martian the Manhunter. And Marvin the Martian. This week we get Wonder Woman with Tasmanian Devil and Lobo and Roadrunner. I only read Wonder Woman Tasmanian Devil. Devil. Because yeah. you told me I didn't have to read <laughs> Lobo one. <laughs> they're just like, they're a slog. These should yeah. not be such a slog, but they are. Yeah. Well, it's just such a like, it's such a forced thing. Like you really have to come up with a, like an amazing way for Wonder Woman and Taz the Tasmanian devil to cross over. And I think they did a pretty good job in this one. Like this was a pretty okay story that went back to Diana's training when she was um learning how to be Wonder Woman and she, you know, went into the um the Labyrinth. Labyrinth with the Minotaur. And one of the guardians of the Labyrinth was Taz. That's right. Because like, the, a, the labyrinth can, can spit you out anywhere in, yep. in, in, the, in, the, in the world. And uh, one of the uh, exits leads you to a, a challenge with the Tasmanian devil. And I thought it was fun how um, Diana can understand him and like read his kind of wacky speech bubbles. <laughs> like, like, there, was some, there were some okay elements in this, but it was like it's not something that I would actively choose to read. I thought they did a good job with a difficult concept. I just I don't understand why someone didn't say, "Hey DC, don't try and make the Looney Tunes characters serious." Like Yeah, this is isn't so, that the weirdest like, thing? It's so stupid. It doesn't it's work way, at all. It's way easier to make the DC heroes cartoony and silly than it is to make the Looney Tunes mad serious. And that's what we get at the back. And yeah. every single time it's way better. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, Oh, the art on this one is by Ben Caldwell as well, who is exceptionally good at making like a fun. Well, so yeah, this is written both, both stories, the, uh, the serious one and the, and the, and the cartoony one was written by Tony Bedard Mm -hmm. and along with Ben Caldwell, who did the, um, the goofy backup, Mm -hmm. they did the only really good, um, 
DC Hanna-Barbera number one that we got recently, the uh, Suicide Squad Banana Splits oh, yeah. crossover, which was way better than it, than it deserved to be. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of went in with higher expectations and was like, yeah, it, it, you're right, it was fine. The art in the main bo- book by Barry Kitson was great. I love his Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great Wonder Woman. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of... I've, it was one of those things I was like, this is fine, I guess, but why? Yeah, exactly. There's no reason for this book to exist, yep. so why am I reading it? And it's it's a... It's very forced to yes. make it work. So the other one that came out that I told Siobhan, just don't even bother with, uh, <laughs> was Lobo and Roadrunner, um, written by Bill Morrison, which he's a, he is responsible for like decades of Simpsons comics and mm. he created the Roswell comics. So he's a, he's a comedy writer, right. specifically comedy for all ages. So like you would think he would, this would be right in his wheelhouse. Mm. Um, art, art is by Kelly Jones So I think this would have sold quite a few copies Just because people love Kelly Jones' mm-hmm. art um, But this basically The idea, this should have been a lot more fun Than it, than it was The idea is that um, after decades Of uh, not being able to catch the Roadrunner Wiley Coyote hires Lobo To kill Roadrunner for him um, But before we get to that point We established that Like somewhere in the, in the late 40s um, a, a, a sinister organization, the Acme, yeah, the Acme Laboratories, has been mm. doing experiments on animals, and that's how they create the Looney Tunes. Um, I don't need that. Yeah. Just make this. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. we we can we don't need a serious backstory for the Looney Tunes. Just they exist. That's fine. Yeah. Silly. This you know this had a lot of lot of meta moments, and it was um there was there was some humorish humorous ish moment <laughs> moments in it, but uh. Overall, again, it was just like <laughs> that's why? some faint praise, humorous, humorous, yeah, ish. Um, but uh, the backup, which was written and drawn by Bill Morrison, was so much better, mm. and it was and it was just like, uh, like really, really meta in that like uh, uh, basically had Lobo trying to catch Roadrunner, um, and like was all about. Just like I was, just like it was just really, really silly. Um, and and Bugs Bunny acting as like the guy who continually thwarting Lobo's attempts at getting out of this comic that he's in. Right. And he was you know aware that it's a comic, which totally works in a Looney Tunes frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was just a collection of these like you know little stories drawn mm. in classic Looney Tune style, featuring DC comic characters. I think this would be way more successful, but instead we have these like you know extra sized stories that are deeply serious and yeah. featuring these dumb characters. That's doesn't work. The Batman Elmer Fudd one that's coming out next week looks exceptionally serious. Yeah, it's with Tom King. I don't know, who knows. I mean, like Elmer Fudd. I, I mean, if yeah, I mean, if he's just some sad guy with a shotgun that says Wabbits. I mean, I guess you could make that character work in like a serious book, right? But like for why? Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe uh, after once this is over, we're going to ask everybody why, and and if someone <laughs> has an answer, then I guess uh, DC Can have done it again. Uh, so Image put out a couple of number ones this week too. Uh, most exciting of which was uh, the number one, long-awaited number one of Shirtless Bear Fighter. Woo! Um, which was uh, just doing numbers over at the King's Comics office. <laughs> People Everyone's been very excited about this one. There so, is a picture of Shirtless Bear Fighter himself up in the girls' bathroom. Uh, so this was uh, written by Jody Lehoop and uh, Sebastian Gurner uh, with art by Neil Vendrell and colours by Mike Spicer. Uh, and this fits in the same realm as uh, a, a series that you hated, the Grizzly Grizzly Shark <laughs> yeah, that Ryan Otley did last year, um, in that it is just like an, a, a ridiculously over-the-top parody of like an action movie. Mm-hmm. I guess it also fits in with like that America Karate book that we had to read a while ago. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, I thought this was funny. Yeah, like, this was funny. This is the kind of book that I could very easily hate because I hate that sort of like easy. I don't really even know how to like categorize it, but like that style of humor, a lot of the time just doesn't. Stone yeah. stupidity. Yeah, a lot of the time that really doesn't hit for me. But this, um, this made me giggle a lot. Yeah, this definitely. was good fun. So like it, classic eighties action movie. America's fucked, and it's up to one man that they've got to recruit. Mm-hmm. Even though he's like you know living out in the woods by himself, you've got to cre- um, recruit him. So they send the be- the government's best to get him back on the side of the good guys. And uh, in this case, the uh, the you know the commando is um, the shirtless bear fighter who lives in. But he's a- also pantsless. That's an important. He's point. extremely <laughs> naked um, with a with a long blurred out dick uh, for <laughs> for the majority of this book. But he lives in the woods um, in a house made of bears. <laughs> <laughs> And in order to win him over, the government give him like a ton of flapjacks and maple syrup. Maple syrup, and he refuses to call them pancakes. Like, it's it's so dumb. Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's my kind of dumb. I Absolutely, it. yeah. Like it's very very silly. But some of the, like when you see his house and you realize that it's made out of bears, that's pretty funny. And then he gets in a plane that is also made out of bears, and that's also pretty funny. And there's a stupid backstory. Yeah, like bears have like an agenda. Yeah, I, I just it really just went for broke with just really committing to how dumb this book is. And I, I like it when books do that. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it has to do with how great the art is. Like the art is ex- like, if the art wasn't as good, the jokes wouldn't hit, Yeah, you know? And like, it's really funny. Like the backstory where, you know, he's a baby that's found in the woods by the bears. and He's a baby with a big, with a big blurred out dick and a beard. Like that's, that's funny. And it wouldn't be funny. And if the art wasn't, that's as, that like, gets hilarious. Siobhan's stamp of funny. Look, a baby with a big penis is very funny to me. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I often kept thinking I was um, I was looking at Rob Gilroy who did mm-hmm. Choose Art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's that good. He you know manages to to balance the the, the well, just commit to the comedy nonstop throughout the entire book. Uh, Neil Neil Vendrell and the colors are really great. They are awesome. So yeah, look if you are in the market for an unbelievably dumb book that knows it's dumb and just keeps getting dumber, then this is your book. Absolutely. Shirtless Bear Fighter number one. Um, I look forward to having to talk about this every month. Yeah, yeah. I wonder it how, really how long it's going to go for. The next um, issue introduces, it says, next issue, enter the hillbilly warlock. And there's like a half man, half pig looking guy. Um, oh, yeah, cape, I saw that. Which I'm very excited about. Holding up a piece of magical bacon. Sounds great. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, they also put out a very different book this week, uh, a new number one from uh, Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. And um, artist Kat Staggs. Uh, this is Crosswind, which is... Um, I, 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 I'm going to little, little spoiler. Mm. Um, the, the, this entire book is Gail Simone's take on trading places. Ah, uh, right, or Freaky, right. Friday. Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. It's, it's more like Freaky Friday. <laughs> is it trading places? No, no. Do they knowingly trade places, or is it like it's like Freaky oh, Friday situation? I can't remember. It's because of, of a bet. bet. So it's similar. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But Freaky Friday is just like they suddenly swap. For, oh no, that's the, that, they they know each other in that one. They're mum, mother, and daughter in Freaky Friday. So, so in, in this one, it's a Freaky Friday, but unrelated as far as we know yeah um i'm very surprised given that this is an image number one that it wasn't like what if freaky friday had goblins in it (laughs) (laughs) i just always make make everything magic yeah um but uh this is uh or vampires or something like that this is um yeah two two very very different people who who, as far as we know don't know each other Mm -hmm. um one of them is a guy who is working in uh, the world of organized crime and has to off his partner in the opening few issues Uh, i thought he was a spy uh, pages 
I thought he was like a someone who works with him that 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 talked to the feds. Oh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, he's dead now. Anyway, worry about him ever again. Matter. And then we have um, the other um, character who who swaps with him is a um, a a woman who has recently married a, a man with who has a, an older son who mm-hmm. doesn't like her, and she's hot, and all the other guys jeer at her and mm-hmm. are really gross towards her and no one takes her seriously. And her husband's and, cheating on her. Yeah. And, and she's uh, stuck in this suburban hell that she hates. And so she has to um, she has to cook a dinner mm-hmm. um, for his boss mm-hmm. who's very religious and um, she's just it's, it's, it's not, ain't a good life mm. and um, he's just always on, on her back and then they, they freaky they Friday. Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked this. This was so like I, d- I had zero, um, like I didn't know anything about this series going in. It feels very different from Gail Simone. Like I don't think yeah. this is something that I've seen Gail Simone do before. Um, but it, when the reveal happened, I was like, that's really funny. Because up until that point, I had no idea how these two characters were going to interact. Yeah. I was like, what is this dark world that, that Gail yeah. Simone's setting up? I don't know if I'm super into this. And then they Freaky Friday. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm super into this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really, it is really silly. Um, but I really liked it. And I think they did, like, a good job. Like, I think she did a good job developing both of these characters by the time we see them Freaky Friday. Yeah, definitely. So now, you know, this issue ends with the the mobster having to cook a dinner for his <laughs> his um, cheating husband. And, and dealing with his new tits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Immediately he, he grabs her boobs. Yeah, obviously. Um, and, uh, yeah, now that they are the... The housewife uh, is now looking at a chopped up body in a mm-hmm. in a uh, in a bathtub. Yeah, what the fuck's gonna happen next? Yeah, guys, could be anything, but I'm into it. I wish this happened in the Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, Freaky Friday. Yeah, I wish there was way more murders in that. Um, so that was that was a good number one. I'm definitely gonna be sticking with this series. Absolutely, I enjoyed fun. that. And it's been a long time since I've read a Gail Simone book too, so I'm I'm real amped about that. Yeah. Um, over to Dynamite now. You may remember a month or two ago, I reviewed a zero issue of a book called Sword Quest, mm-hmm. which uh, I, uh, Siobhan, I actually got to, came, came to Kings to record, and Siobhan hadn't read it yet because she was like, "Why would I read an Atari book?" Yep. Because this is a, it looks like it's based off an old Atari game called Sword Quest, which is mm-hmm. a real game that was published by Atari. Uh, but I made her read it because this is this bizarre story about a man who uh, discovers that he has cancer, moves back in with his mum. And then, After his apartment burns down. That's right. Um, very crucial fact. And then uh, finds all his old Atari games and realizes that, uh, you know, it's his destiny to find this sword. Mm. Um, and so this book was about him kind of uh, trying to find his, his his friends that he used to play video games and, and, and basically spent a lot of time with when he was kids and something happens towards the end of, of, of you know, their, them being friends that stops them from being friends and he hasn't seen them in so long and so... Yeah, it brings back a lot of painful memories and he still hasn't told his mum that he's dying yet. Mm. And at the heart of it is this ridiculous sword quest yeah. stuff, which is like this very real thing. This is a great, It's cool a really book. great comic. It's really like well told, really makes you like introduces you to the world of the, the game really well. Yes. Um, but is like fun to read if you have no concept of it as well. That's right. So this is written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. And um, it's been, I, I remember looking up his name a while ago. But it's, he has to be credited for some reason. The art and colors are by Ghostwriter X. Nice. Um, I, I, he's done something with uh, with Bowers and Sims in the past. But yeah, I, I think this book is like the full package. I love this book. Yeah, it's really good fun. Um, I like it a lot. And the ending is so ridiculously great. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend. This is like probably one of my favorite books of the week. Um, I, 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 I may as well just call it and say it was my favorite number one of the week. There's no Freaky Friday scenario. So. Yeah, look, I like I like Freaky Friday, so I'm still sticking <laughs> with um, Crosswind. <laughs> she likes her men muscly and her, and her Fridays freaky. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's a, a great one from uh, Sword Quest, a series I'm looking forward to, to reading for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Uh, oh, my God, you did read this. I, I did, like, I did. I was about to say, you definitely didn't read this, but I couldn't resist it. Bill and Ted Save the Universe. I love Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted, oh, the, original, the original movie is one of my all-time favorite okay, movies. Okay, because you've got like, you're, you know, you, I've got, what, eight years on you? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried <laughs> that like there are some things that like that are, are only okay to like because you are of a certain age. No way. Bill yeah. and Ted is amazing. I yeah. love Keanu. I, I will mean, watch anything that yeah. Keanu does. Bill and Ted... Um, uh, had an excellent adventure followed mm-hmm. by a bogus journey. Excellent adventure is ama- way better way than better. the bogus journey. Yeah. The bogus journey has its funny moments, including the character of Death, who gets Melvined. Um, but all of Excellent Adventure is righteous. completely excellent. Yeah, yep. very um, very bodacious. And so, boom! I, I don't know if this is like the, this is the first Bill and Ted comic they've done, or have they done the third series? Thank you, Jim. And that explains a lot. Uh, Bill and Ted go to hell and Bill and Ted try to return. Is that Triumph. actually triumphant return? return. <laughs> Bill and Ted try to return. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is them saving the universe, which introduces them to like, the concept of space. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see a bunch of aliens. And um, But there was a lot of stuff in this that obviously has happened in previous Bill and Ted comics. So they explain it pretty well. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, the only reason I even read this is because it has a, um, a cover by Ryan Char- Derek Charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who does... Uh, the he's done the art on uh, on Jughead recently mm-hmm. that I've really loved. I think he's an excellent cartoonist and mm-hmm. it's beautifully coloured. So I I got this in the hope that he did the interiors, but instead the interiors are by someone called Bashan, who is also quite good. It's oh, yeah, I think it was great. Um, and uh, it's been written by Brian Joins. Um, and I thought this completely nailed the the the, uh, the characters of Bill mm-hmm. and Ted. And uh, yeah, even though there have been two series apparently that I've never even heard of, um, I felt completely caught up on on all, all those antics and got sucked into this fun adventure yeah i mean i probably didn't care that much <laughs> like i liked it it didn't um annoy me or anything but i'd much rather just go home and watch excellent adventure on repeat but if you were like an absolute diehard bill and ted boy oh absolutely i uh, I, I reckon you'd be very sated by this it's uh, it, it, it doesn't stray from the depictions of the characters that we saw in those two movies but mm-hmm. it also grows them a little bit so you know it isn't just repeating the same things over and over Yep. The dialogue in particular of not just Bill and Ted, but all the other characters, you know, their parents and um, death. And death. Death's great. Um, the station guys say station at one point. <laughs> That's, I reckon, two of the worst characters, well, the worst character ever, ever created. Who? Station. Do you remember that? Station? Station is like this thing. Uh, it, it looks like the Gobbledock. Um, but he can, at one point, he like, he, he, che- he, go- he halves his size and becomes. Two okay, and st- he only says station, and station can mean anything. That's awesome. It's not awesome. It's, not it's, awesome. it's, it's a real tedious it's like part a- of Burger's journey. <laughs> um, I probably, probably lost some some angry angry station fans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought uh, I thought Bill and Ted Save the Universe issue one was uh, was cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. Yeah, go for um, it. Uh, not quite as good as the um, other Boom series where they did uh, the coming together of um, those two Kurt Russell movies. Oh yeah, the big trouble in Little China. Um, and Escape from New York. Yeah, uh, but you know, not 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 far off. Absolutely, still good fun. It felt in line. 
Uh, so, Siobhan, in just a moment, we're going to play our famous Roll the Dice for DC, Marvel, and Image and review all those books for the week. But before we do that, just got to let you know that this week, just like last week's episode, is brought to you by Geek Fuel. Whoa. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, Geek, Geek Fuel is a mystery box that comes to your door full of cool products that geeks and gamers might enjoy. There's $50, at least $50 worth of value in each box, and each box only costs you 15 bucks plus the shipping and handling. Um, if you sign up to GeekFuel by hitting up the website geekfuel.com slash serious issues, you get a bonus item Whoa. worth at least $10. Maybe it's a stuffed toy version of Siobhan. Maybe it's a Funko pop vinyl of Levens. What would you like more? Let us know. <laughs> serious issues at kingscomics.com. Uh, every single box has an exclusive t-shirt, a downloadable game, and a total of five to seven geeky items, including frequently featured brands. Uh, like Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Firefly, Star Trek, Harry Potter, and South Park. And as we pointed out last week, almost all of those franchises have comics. Mm. Very relevant sponsor. Thanks so much to Geek Fuel for uh, for looking after us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Uh, so on to our... Uh, oh, boy. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. We're going to roll the dice right now. If it's nice. one to two, it's, we're going to review Image first. Mm-hmm. If it's three to four, we're going to review Marvel and if it's five to six, we're going to review DC. Here we go. Three. Marvel, Marvel first. Oh, boy. There were a lot of Marvel books this week. <laughs> uh, and then six. So, DC. We go Marvel, DC, Image, and then the other publishers. Other. Great. Um, okay. So, on this big stack of Marvel books, oh. by far the best Marvel book that came out this week yeah. is The Mighty Thor, issue 20, by Jason Aaron, Russell Dorderman, and um, uh, Valerio Shitti. Um Plus colours by Matthew Wilson and Veronica Gandini. Um, there's a spoiler on the front cover of this uh, issue, which you may not have noticed. So I'm going to uh, just say, if you don't want spoilers for Thor, jump forward a little bit. Um, basically, this uh, we, we, we've known that the ultimate Thor's hammer has mm-hmm. been in the regular Marvel Universe, waiting for somebody to pick it up. And after a series of horrible events happens uh, because of the war between the Light Elves and the Dark Elves that's happening across the realms... Mm-hmm. Um, the person who picks up the ultimate hammer is none other than Volstagg of the Warriors 3. Which you would be able to tell if you're familiar with the beards of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, that's right. There's a big red beard, big on, the, uh, beard. on this new War Thor on the front cover of issue 20. And of course, it belongs to none other than Volstagg, who mm-hmm. I picked straight away. I looked at this issue and I was like, is that Volstagg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, and I was over the moon with that because Volstagg would have to be one of the most fun characters mm-hmm. um, in the Thor universe. But He's someone that, like, you know, he's he's the, he's the fat one, basically. He's yeah. fat and giddy and always is, like, you know, thinking about his stomach and nonstop comic relief. He's, like, um, damn it, I can't, <laughs> I just mad. Like, the guy from Asterix, what's his name? Obelix. 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 Um, yeah, he's like him, but with uh, a beard. Yeah, and uh, he uh, has, like, you know, 14 kids. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, you know, he's very important as Guardian. Um, and I feel like... Everyone loves writing him because he is that goofy comic relief, but mm-hmm. Jason Aaron has been building him up to be like, you know, an actual genuine hero mm-hmm. with nobility. Um, and uh, in this, he basically, like, he, he he brings him down to his darkest, but it's not because of anything that Volstagg himself does. It's the, these, these things that have happened to him. Mm. So he can't save these, these light elf children um, from being roasted by flames. And that unlocks the darkness within him. And he picks up the hammer and becomes the war Thor. It was a good moment. It was a fucking great issue too. Yeah. And we also get to see the um, the uh, repercussions of Jane Foster having told Odin's son that she is the mighty Thor, mm-hmm. which was, um, 
that was a that was a good resolution to that. Like I thought that was a satisfying read that and, scene. And he you see the temptation is in his eyes when Molnir comes to Jane Foster's mm-hmm. aid. He, you know, he he wants to. Part of him wants to pick it up, but also mm. he doesn't want to figure out if he's worthy anymore. I don't know. I, I loved. Yeah. There's so much going on in this book. It, you know, just is is testament to what happens when you allow the same writer to just you know write an epic. Absolutely. Except Dan Slott. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Dan Slott has written a lot of epics that were very. You're good. right. There were. It's yeah, just been just, a lot. It's been too long. Too long. Um, but yeah, like I loved even the that sort of arrogance. Like Odin's son is still so flawed. Like when he's like, oh. Did you do this to me because I like cheated on you when we were in a relationship, Jane? She's like, fucking no. <laughs> like, um, I thought that was a like a good moment of like, you know, he's still this sort of arrogant, hubris filled character. Yeah, and it looks like you know um, Jane Foster may be out for a little bit because this this issue has her yeah. collapsing. Um, I think one of the uh, legacy books is called The Death of Jane Foster. Boo. Um, I doubt they're going to go all the way through with it, but if they do, I'm sure Jason Aaron will do it with the uh, humility that the character deserves. Absolutely. Um, but it looks like we're going to focus on on Warthor Volstag, who looks incredibly 90s uh, on this final final page. Very metal. And I, I'm on board. This yeah. is great. I like his. Um, he's got like fingerless gloves with spikes on the knuckles. <laughs> yeah, real cool. I wouldn't want to like take Madonna. a punch from those. <laughs> uh, so that was a great great issue this week. Uh, so too was all new Guardians of the Galaxy number four. Um, this has just kind of kicked things into gear and is exactly what I want from a Guardians book mm. after a, a slight lull. Um, but I, actually, I really enjoyed that Gamora-focused issue, last last issue. But this uh, kind of brings all, all the team back together for an adventure of them escaping um, from the uh, the collector's um, house. It's not a house. It's more than a house. Empire. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it a was nice mix of, of drama and comedy and um, each of them kind of trying to take him on in their own way and Gamora and they're really fleshing out the character of Gamora and I hope because mm. you you have no affinity with Gamora at all right no she's no. just she's just like a she's a scary lady with knives but she's good in this right yeah 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 she's good she's fine <laughs> she's got more than just knives I don't know yeah I, I, I really like the character I think um, they, they did a bit more with her in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 the movie but I didn't like her version mm. in the first movie at all um, and I th- but I really like what um, what Duggan's doing with her here. Um, I also am so intrigued as to what's going to go on with this planet full of evil Groots. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, who can slice through glass with their claws? Pretty yep. crazy. Um, yeah, it gets pretty grim. I like this book. That, this book balances like you know, real dumb chuckles and then grim moments. Absolutely. I think my favorite thing about the series is um, Aaron Cuda's art. Yep. I think that's the best. The best thing it has going for it. And I did. I did like the scene between. Um, is it the collector or the grandmaster? What whichever one it is, um, this is the collector. They're they're, collector? they're on a mission from the grandmaster, who is the right, collector's okay. brother, to steal something from, from the, the collector. collector. Confusing. Good stuff. Um, I liked the scene between him and Gamora. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so should we do Secret Empire? Uh, yeah. Catch why up. Not? There are a bunch of Secret Empire tie-ins this week. Uh, worst of them was easily Secret Empire: Brave New World number two, which yeah. is a special anthology book coming out alongside the Secret Empire event. This features stories written by Rodney Barnes, Fabian Nicieza. I never know how to say his name. Nicieza? Yeah, that's a hard one. Nicieza, uh, and Paul Allure, uh, with art by Juan M. Frigeri, Will Robson, and Brian Level. Now, I was super excited when I saw the, the, opened this page and saw that we were going to get another story featuring Hydra Bob. Yeah. Did you read that during Secret Wars? Uh, I can't remember. I'm sure I did. It was a one-shot. Um, a, a full-on comedy book 
um, about just like this like boring guy who became a hydrogen agent called, mm. called Bob. And it was just like kind of like a day in the life of a boring Hydra agent. And it was very funny mm. and really, really good. And so I was like, oh, cool. We're going to get like a little story featuring him. And we did, but it was four pages long. Yeah, it was real weird. And it wasn't funny. Yeah. Even though I was like, had Will Robson on art, who, who yeah. we really enjoyed on Great Lakes Avengers. Uh, yeah, this was just not good. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think it was just like, it was not good because it was only four pages long and very few comics are four pages long and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also got the birth of a new Patriot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Patriot being uh, one of the characters from the Young Avengers. Um, but this is uh, a new character uh, who kind of, while underground with all the other heroes, um, takes on the mantle. Uh, he creates the mantle for himself almost um, using tech that, Tony Stark's AI helps him build. I don't know. It was dumb. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then finally, we get Sanctuary Part Two, in which we get this really confusing story about Namor um, imprisoning the original Human Torch and Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Namora shows up at the of... end. What's going on? What's happening with Namor? Uh, yeah, like Namor appears in a bunch of books this week, and he's just kind of terrible across the board. And yeah, it's kind of disappointing. I did like the Namora reveal i was like "Ooh, that's pretty fun um but yeah just a it's a bit of a nothing this book is a bit of a nothing book yeah and it's funny because we're gonna we're gonna rave about aquaman later in the episode but it's yeah marvel are really fumbling with uh with uh with namor this this at the moment i thought he was gonna get this like big grand return and you know Mm. make the character the glorious asshole that he should be totally uh instead we get him in uh in, in steve rogers captain america number 18 written by nick spencer with um, oh, written by Nick Spencer and Donny Cates, who's ah. been doing uh, what's his first Marvel book, I guess. There you go. Um, uh, with art by Javier Pina and Andre Guinaldo. Um, so this uh, is kind of half from Namor's point of view, and then the other, the, the bulk of the book is um, Captain America basically telling the United Nations that he doesn't need them. Yeah. The thing that I find really confusing about this whole thing is I thought Nick Spencer was trying to be like, oh, look, like he's still like he's still cap. He's still like good in certain ways. He's just become he's just been warped slightly. And now this cap is just turning into kind of a dick. And I just don't think it's as compelling or interesting when he's just like being this super fascist bro jerk yeah totally i don't really understand well, I, I, think, I think it's a, i think he think like nick Spencer's saying that that like he thinks fascism is the way to go yeah i totally get that but i also think be that like be, be a bit less of a dick about being fascist <laughs> kind of kind of <laughs> like you know him shouting at people being like i expect you to sit down i don't think that's very yeah massive like bloodshot eyes your opinion does not matter because yeah. whether you like it or not our message is resonating yeah yeah um, um and i i um, but I did like the sort of um, Black Panther, like, Skyping in and being like, fuck you, buddy. Yeah, coming That was me. cool. I like, yeah, and Black Panther's taken out Arnim Zola, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have this confusing bit with, with uh, Namor that, because we know from reading the main book that he's just handed over his shard. Mm. And so this, this is like what makes him choose his decision. I yeah. don't even know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's confusing. That was like the the jumping around in time stuff is um, it's hard to follow. Yeah. So yeah, that was that. Just be more linear, Nick Spencer. Uh, Doctor Strange issue number twenty two, written by Dennis Hopeless with heart by Nico Henricon. Uh, cont- continued uh, something that was set up in the last issue uh, with Dennis Hopeless's first issue on the run after Jason Aaron. Um, of uh, basically um, Doctor Strange, Spider Woman, and Ben Urich. Um, I think I said Ben Riley couple issues ago, episodes ago and everyone was like hey you said the wrong Ben 
And I was like, too many Bens in the Marvel <laughs> U, bruh. Um, but it's them teaming up with Kingpin. Yep. Uh, and uh, I like to that... take down Baron Mordo. Yeah, I like that Spider-Woman and Ben are like, hell no, why are we teaming up with Kingpin? But mm. Doctor Strange is like, well, you know, I deal with evil all the time mm. and he is you know, definitely the lesser of many evils that I've had to side with yeah. in the past. So I like I liked that. And, I, you know, I, I really loved during... Um, what was that? Uh, the, one, the Jason Aaron event with the eye and the secrets coming back from the eye. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the Watcher. What the fuck was that called? Original Sin. Original Sin. I really liked um, that that book teamed up um, Doctor Strange with the Punisher. Yeah. And I was like, that, what an unlikely pairing that I quite like. And I mm. think I even like the pairing up of Kingpin and, and Doctor Strange even more. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is this is fun. It's all about, um, you know, with the, Jason Aaron and, and Chris Pacello's uh, Doctor Strange run was all about the, the costs of, of dealing with dark magics and the cost that it has on, on, on yourself, especially mm-hmm. if you're Doctor Strange and the, the responsibility that you take on by using these magics. And... Um, this ends with with Wilson Wilson Fisk Kingpin uh, ignoring Doctor Strange and using a very dark magic, mm. and you know what is this? How is this going to affect the Kingpin? That's yeah, great. Absolutely, I think again really my favorite thing about this series is the art. Yeah, the, the art's, art's great. Really, really great. And the cover for the next issue, which has you know um, <laughs> Doctor Strange holding a big like semi-automatic um, yeah. machine gun, and um, Wilson Fisk holding a little. Magical wand is really good. With his, in, his, in his like a dainty, dainty <laughs> yeah. little wand in his massive hand. Yeah, uh, good week for Kingpin. He showed up somewhere else this week as well. Pretty good um, fun. Ultimate Squared by Al Ewing and Ord Kosh on art. Um, is a little kind of interim story. I don't know why it had the the Secret Empire yeah. banner on it. It had nothing to do with Secret Empire, but you know what? That's probably a good thing. Uh, this is uh, telling us a, more in in the, the chapter of um, Galactus um, becoming the Life Bringer. And he goes to visit Ego, the living planet, and reveals his original form before mm-hmm. he became Galactus. And he was like a, 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 I guess, a pilot of a spacecraft that was crashing. And uh, then he became one with the universe or something and became a, a, a celestial being known as Galactus. And uh, basically, he, he reveals himself to uh, to Ego, and Ego um, reveals his true self to him too. And then Galactus basically helps Ego grow into Ego Prime. So he's like a fully big celestial being now. He got legs now. Um, but they gave him little shorts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bit that I find unbelievable. You, you, you wanted a big blurred out dick like yes. in uh, yes, Shetless Bearfighter? All of these comics this week would have been improved. <laughs> um, and then the, this issue ends with um, the, uh, the maker showing up mm-hmm. and teaming up with, um, what's this book called again? <laughs> what's this bloke? I don't uh, know. The High, High Evolutionary. Oh yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I, I like it. This is, you know, just back on the kind of big celestial stuff. Mm. That's what I really enjoy about the series. And um, yeah, I want keep more of not this. tying into um, Secret Empire, please. I, I, I like the idea of Al Ewing going, yeah, totally. I'll tie into Secret <laughs> Empire this week and then just not. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. And no one bothers reading his book. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, well, fair enough. Uh, X-Men time. <laughs> Guess what book I'm not going to read again. Um, is it X-Men Gold? It is. Do you want to review this? Mark Guggenheim and someone, Silver? Um, look, I like Arby that. Arby Silver. Arby Silver's um, solid. I like his work. But yeah, this is all about Rachel Gray and like getting over, like all these seem to be about like the various X-Men like getting over various emotional problems that they have, which is boring. It's, all, it's just all like, oh, you're afraid of becoming your mother, but also afraid of becoming your father. Mm. The one thing that could potentially stop me from not reading this yeah. <laughs> is... At the end, there's a little, there's a little kind of tease in which a kid with a little hat on 
um, picks up like a yeah. toy. Is that Molly from The Runaways? Well, see, that was the thing that made me go like, oh, I would keep reading. I would keep reading it if that was Molly. Because this is a ridiculously dull book. Yeah. It's like really, it, it plays safe to the point where it's just a yawn fest. Yeah. But if they, if they, bring, if they bring in a runaway, I am, I am hooked. All right. So your duty is to continue right. reading this book. And if Molly shows up, I'll read it. Okay, cool. Cool. Deal. Great duty. Um, from, Did anyway, you read Iceman? Oh, no. I, I left out one of the secret warrior, the secret empire t- ties in. But Iceman, but let's do Iceman first. Guess what book I won't be reading the next issue. Yeah, of. I'm not going to read this either, to be honest. I really find this book Dull Boring and fun. annoying. And the, the art is so dull as well. Yeah, and like the, uh, like this whole issue, I didn't even know that Kitty Pride and Iceman had dated. But this whole issue is like, oh, now they have to go on a mission together, and it's awkward because they used to date. And then midway through, an like I a, think a battle, a battle, Kitty turns around and is like, I had to find out from Gold Balls that you were gay. How do you think that made me feel? Like, who? What who who has allowed this to happen to Kitty Pride? Like Kitty Pride is suffering from being like just boring leader. Like, but why would a nothing... leader of anything say that? I know. Like, yeah, yeah. like they've made her just like dull and weird, and she doesn't have a personality anymore. And she's the kind of person that would stop midway through a fight and be like, "I'm sad because you're gay and you didn't tell me because that you should have told me." Like Kitty. Yeah, absolutely brilliant cover by Kevin Water again. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just like I, I, I wanted to like this book, but I just I find it the the it's not presenting any compelling storylines so far, and the art is very very dull. So I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out, y'all. Done. Um, so I, I'm also I, I, maybe we should do a little bit of an out section. Yeah. Cool. You're not gonna like this. Luke Cage number two, written by Kevin Walker, with art by Nelson Blake the mm-hmm. second. I just think this is so fucking dull. Mm. I mean, it's just like it's. I've loved it, like loved everything that Kevin Walker's done since he started working at Marvel, and I just like I just feel like this is what you get when you keep tweaking him. Like this yeah. is what upper management going, no, do this instead, no, do this instead, do this instead, and this 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 doesn't even feel in line with the iteration of of um, Luke Cage that he wrote. Like two months ago. But I think the problem with that is that this series, we haven't really seen Luke that much. Luke is kind of a side character in his own story at this point. No, he's, it was, he's like on every page of this book. Is he? Well, I sort of feel like I could do with more Luke in this book. Sure. Like there's a lot of stuff about, um, you know, all the various scientists and evil crime people and the other sort of like Luke's brothers and shit like that. Like, Also, I love that you said that you want more Luke Cage in a book which actually introduces six Luke Cages <laughs> at the end of it because this is all about, um, like, yeah, Luke Cage, the the guy who experimented on him to begin with, um, created many like him. And so Luke mm-hmm. Cage has apparently a bunch of crazy brothers. Yeah. Um, but they're all blue. Some of them are blue. Anyway, I, I would like this if... I kind of wish it was a more, like, street-level story. Like, this 100%. is a bit kind of weird sci-fi. This is just boring. That's what it is, though. Like, it's a little bit boring. It was so vibrant. I know I keep lamenting that. A book, it's gone, Levins. Yeah. Give it up. Let it go. But uh, I just, I, I, I want that. I don't want this. I'm so sad that Occupy Avengers is finishing as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently it's got two issues left. Next Boo. one comes out next week. Boo, Marvel. So, like, I mean, look, hopefully a boring Luke Cage book is what... Marvel and the public want and, and Kevin Walker makes a bunch of money. It is much more in line with the Luke 
Cage TV series. Yeah, but so is the Defenders book. Give me yeah. something else. <laughs> give, me, give me a fun one. Um, Luke Cage is a fun character. You don't need to like. Bog no, him Netflix down. says he's boring, yeah. so now he's boring. God damn you, Netflix! You did it again. Netflix is the real um, Hydra crap cap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of Hydra cap, I left out one of the uh, secret Empire tie-ins. Uh, U.S. Avengers. You still oh, I didn't. No. It's fun. It's like really fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's fun. And, uh, do you see someone in the middle of this cover that yeah. we haven't seen in a while? Um, I don't know who that is. Someone that got ripped in half like about years and years ago. The God of War, Ares. Oh, okay. Remember when the Sentry ripped him in half at the end of Siege? No. Like straight up ripped him in half? I don't think I've ever read Siege. I remember Sentry ripping someone in half. It's not bad. Yeah, it's fine. Ares is back in Paris with a bunch of European-based heroes who save Squirrel Girl and that robot character. Cool. I don't know. Sounds great. Enigma. Um, It's, I don't know, it's it's fun and it keeps things moving at a really great pace and... um, Cannonball's like stuck in space and he gets discovered by aliens and they're going to try and sell him. Amazing. It's like, it's just throws like, it just balances so many different storylines and, and kind of gives you little peeks at each of them, mm. each, each issue. It's, it's a good book. Hmm. Al Ewing and Paco Medina. Uh, I think this is my favorite Al Ewing book that he works on at the moment. Uh, but there is one more. Great. That is Royals. Um, featuring the grand return of Ronan the Accuser, um, but drawn in, in a style that we've never seen him drawn before uh, by Thony Salas. Tony Salas. Um, this is uh, all the Inhuman royalty have gone into space um, alongside Marvel Boy, uh, and um, they get attacked by Ronan the Accuser. Did Ronan the Accuser and Crystal used to date? They were married. Right. Crystal has married a lot of people. Two. That's more than most people. <laughs> we get it, Siobhan. You hate marriage. <laughs> you would have brought... Uno cards to, to Crystal's marriage. <laughs> and like, blah, Sudoku blah, blah, to, eternal love. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> um, still, that's, that's a lot. Anyway. Was she married to the Human Torch? Yeah, I think they were married. Tony? Yeah, right. Anyway. Don't slut shame Crystal. Or <laughs> marriage slam. I'm married shaming yeah. her. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy, I, I know the history. I've read War of Kings in which they get married. And, mm-hmm. um, uh Actually, I love that Al Ewing always, at the end of each of his books, is like, hey, if you want to like read more books that tie into the story I was just telling, yeah. read this. And then he gives you six like long arcs, like Additional Jonathan reading. Hickman's entire FF run, <laughs> War of Kings, Inhuman, Young Avengers, All New Inhumans, Black Vortex. That's, that's, a, that's a confusing, um, like imagine going from Black Vortex to Fantastic Four by Hickman. Hilarious. But- because uh, basically, Ronan the Accuser accuses all the all the characters in, on the team, and so they all get stuck into scenarios in their head of them being accused by someone important mm. uh, important to them. So, like, um, you know, you have uh, Kate Bishop telling uh, Nova that he broke his he, he broke her heart, and um, other breakups, and you know, guilt that you have because you let your parents die. I thought I thought it was good. Yeah, good, yeah. good use of, of of the accuser accusing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love Ronan as well. I mean, I love Hickman's depiction of Ronan a lot. Another another character I was very disappointed of um, the depiction of in. Uh... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary; not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But, um, oh, I forgot that he was even in that. Exactly, right? He's like a blank slate with a hammer. Terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think he's a good addition to this book. Especially yeah, if he joins agreed. the team. Join saw- the team. <laughs> Join the team. I like this book. Yeah, it's good. It's real, real over the place. Al Ewing is great. Um, keeping things cosmic for a moment, uh, Silver Surfer um, had what I thought was going to be like the final issue of this, but apparently there's more. Um, this is uh, Dan Slott, Michael Alred, and Laura Alred working on this book. This is easily my favorite Dan Slott book. I mean, obviously, you've got, I've got two to choose <laughs> from. I like this one a lot more. Um, but uh, look, I, I think this is just a, a really, really good celebration of the cosmic side of Marvel with a lot of heart. Absolutely. And this book really, uh, this issue in particular, uh, basically... You know, when you go away for cosmic adventures, when you return to Earth, you've missed things. Yeah. And um, Dawn Greenwood, who is uh, Silver Surfer's GF um, and soulmate, um, she returns to Earth with Silver Surfer. And um, not only has she missed the birth of her um, sister's baby, mm-hmm. but she's missed the death of someone very, very close to her. Oh, sad. Not only de- death, but they've scattered the ashes already. Mm-hmm. And um, she basically, this basically is like a really sweet way of dealing with loss and uh, also, like, you have a character who, who describes the the love that, that parents have for their kids as something that's infinite while they're in the womb. And then when they're born, it grows more and more. Oh, that's nice. And then when those parents die, their love, the, their, their children's love for them, even in death, continues to grow. I thought, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm really a, sweet. I'm a sap, but it was brilliantly written. You are a sap. Um, the old <laughs> sap. Um, you yeah, this a is a book that like I, I really feel like I should be reading. Um, it just flies under the radar, but continues. Like It's amazing that it's... like How many issues is it up to? Like It's been going for so well, long. Well, this is the second run, and it's 12 so far. I think the other one got it. Like seventeen, yeah. Like that's that's, that's impressive for a series that's not getting a huge amount of attention at Marvel. Though. It hasn't tied into anything. I mean, yep. I think you know Marvel know what this is like Eisner bait. Yeah, it really book. is. Yeah, yeah. It gets nominated every year. Yeah. Um. I think I'm I'm uh religiously against omnibuses, <laughs> but I would buy the the full collection of this in an omnibus. Yeah, it seems worthwhile. Um. I mean, I, I do love a bit of or or art, mm. but uh, yeah, this is like the the heart that he is able to display in these like seemingly simple stories. Just, it's just the complete opposite of what you get for a Spider-Man stuff, which is yeah, so absolutely. convoluted and like read before. This is just really sweet and unique. And yeah, I, oh, love, I love this book. Um, what else we got? We've got a bunch of things that I consider dropping. Oh, let's argue, Siobhan. Oh, I didn't read it. So you're going to have to argue to yourself. <laughs> Nick Fury. So I went, fuck it. No, I don't like this. Really? Wow. I love this issue. Nick Fury number three written by um, James Robertson with art by, I fucking still don't know how to say his name, but ACO. 
Um, and this is the uh, incredibly colourful, um, futuristic spy book. Mm-hmm. It's just a series of one-shots in which Nick Fury Jr. has like um, an eye patch that can do everything. And also in this issue, he has gloves that can shoot. Boring. It's the best. It's, it's so dumb. silly. I don't like it's it. It's so colourful. In this one, he, he it's like aboard a train. It's classic spy shit, except he has all this bizarre tech. And it's so pink. And um, yeah, he's on like a future train. And um, he has to stop an assassin, a guy from being assassinated. And uh, he takes out a bunch of us, would-be assassins. Um, and then there's a surprise reveal of who the last assassin is. And it's really great. And uh, I, I really love this book. And I'm so happy that you're not reading it anymore. So I can just <laughs> shower it with praise every month. And just objectively, it's the best book Marvel are putting out right now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, you're right. H- hate reading is wrong. If you don't like it, you just don't like it. Agreed. Uh, I hate that you don't like it. Yeah, it, it actually hurt, it hurts that you don't like it. It annoys me that I don't like it. It seems like it should appeal to me so strongly, but I just find it borderline irreadable, unreadable. Um, also, also in the stack of books that I read that Siobhan didn't, um, which is the uh, parentheses underneath uh, the, the, the podcast name series issues, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man Thing issue five. I think it's the last Man Thing issue by oh, R.L. Wow. Stein, German Peralta. The key to enjoying this book is just not even reading the Man Thing part. Just read the backup, guys. Oh, yeah. I did make you read this. Yeah. Uh, so there's a backup at the end. You always get a, uh, a bonus story from R.L. Stein's Chamber of Chills. So fun. And again, I hope they collect all these in some way or just let him continue it. Like, I feel like... A, an anthology book by mm-hmm. the writer of Goosebumps now doing comics for Marvel mm-hmm. would have sold so much better Agreed. than a man thing run, right? Agreed. It's baffling. And so this one we get a book, a book called The Perfect Boyfriend. And uh, I described this to you earlier, um, but these these like funny little horror stories, mm. they aren't so much funny like, horror stories as they are like um, stories that your grandparents forward onto you that have yeah, been like forwarded chain, by chain like, mail. yeah, chain <laughs> mails that your grandparents forward to you with like 40 other people yep. copied in and the information. Like, oh, great. Now I have old people from all over the world's email addresses. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so this this is like really like, you know, it's just it's like darkly funny in which a, a, a boy meets a girl's parents for the first time. And um, she's like, oh, you know, I'm warning you about my dad. And um, and then he's like, "Don't worry, like you know, wait till you meet my dad." And then her, he gets there, and her dad decides to like torture him for hours <laughs> to see how much torture he can take in order to see how if he's strong enough to be his uh, be with his daughter. And then it ends, and then he's like, "You know, um, so you're not angry about the torture? You're not upset?" He goes, "No, no, not at all. I'm totally fine with it. Do you know why? Why? Because tomorrow night you're coming to my house." <laughs> <laughs> So good. It's the best. That's great. I also like to just write creepy group chain emails. Do you think he really like has like I feel like he must just have a folder on his computer of like a million of these stories, and every time he's like, "Ha, huh, got another one." He, he strikes me as like an old guy that has like a dictaphone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And totally. he just he just sends his dictaphone to Marvel and like, yep. okay, draw it. Sick. I love the art on this one. I, yeah, that was really by, good. Um, uh, Tyler Crook. Um, with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. There you go. Heaps um, fun. If anyone from Marvel is listening, please collect all of the Chamber of Chills. Just put out. I want a book on my shelf called Ch- Chamber of Chills. Yeah, totally. Because um, these are great. great. Um, Invincible Iron Man number eight by Brian Michael Bendis, Stefano Caselli, and Mate Gracia. Potentially problematic opening. Okay. <laughs> I love uh, classic Bendis. He loves to 
tread that line. So this is uh, Riri Williams, who is uh, who is black. Um, uh-huh. Uh, in Chicago, this is uh, this kind of predates. This is this is her decision to become Invincible Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they say she says, "I wanted you to know to a teacher. I wanted to know what that I've decided what I'll be when I grow up." And she goes, "Let the teacher goes, let's hear it. I want to be a scientist." The teacher says, "Great, great." No, you're supposed to say you mean like a nurse. And then I say, "Yes." And then the teacher says, "No, why would I say that?" And then Riri says, you're supposed to tell me nursing and teaching are noble professions and that people like me don't get to grow up and be scientists. The teacher says, why would I do that? Then she holds up a picture of the first African-American female astronaut. And she says, that's what they said to her. And says, well, that was a long time ago. And then she told them, no, I'm going to be a scientist. And the teacher says, yes, that was a long time ago. Things were different back then. But because of people like her, a girl like you can do whatever you want, fly anywhere you want and be anyone you want. And Riri says, I was kind of hoping you'd tell me the opposite so I would have something to inspire me to prove you wrong. And the teacher says, sorry, I can't help you. And then uh, this is almost over. Yeah, no, um, I'm enjoying this dramatic reading. And then the teacher, the, the, Riri is still standing up, staring at this teacher, and the teacher says, what? And then the teacher goes, okay, you'll never be Tony Stark. And then Riri says, really? really? I'm totally going to be Tony Stark, except for that weird facial hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cute. Yeah, yeah. Again, it falls in the line, the, is this Brian Michael Bendis' story <laughs> to tell? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's a complicated one. It, complicated, problematic, potentially, also much better than the rest of the issue. Nice. Next review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daredevil, number 22 by Charles Soule with awesome, awesome art by Goran Suzuka. Um, you know how your favorite thing about uh, that, that Charles Soule's ever done? is uh, She-Hulk. Yeah. Because he is an IRL lawyer, or was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm sure if he's practicing anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, he brought a lot of his uh, real lawyer facts to that mm-hmm. book and that made it so much fun. Uh, this is a Daredevil episode, issue set entirely in a courtroom. That's fun. But it's not Matt Murdock um, <laughs> in there. It's Daredevil. Sick. Oh, my God, he's in costume. That's he's great. He's in costume. So, basically, his plan to stop all crime in New York is make it... Um, Legal for superheroes to testify without revealing their secret identity, which is really clever. That's a really good idea. And and basically he has like an extremely competent lawyer try and undo all of his hard work and point out every potential loophole. And Mm. it's it's great. Heaps of lawyer jargon jargon and, and, and fun dumb speak like that. And and that looks great. And there's a fight in the courtroom and he throws the gavel. In two supervillains' faces. That's fun. It's really fun. I want to read that. Yeah, it's great, and the art was all awesome. And um, you know, I, I I do like checking in with this book every now and then and seeing if it's good or bad. It was good right now. Nice. Charles Soule also wrote the last Marvel book we're going to talk about before we went to DC, and it was Darth Vader, number two, uh, with art by Giuseppe Camancoli. Um, and uh, look, I didn't like the first issue because it was boring. Second issue was less boring. Less boring, but still kind of boring. Um, I, I just enjoy it, the action scenes in this were great. Um, you have um, I don't think we, I don't think we saw much of Darth Vader piloting mm. and, um, and 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 gunning down spaceships in uh, in the Kieran Gillen run. Uh, he's supposed to be really good at that, right? Yeah, that's right. And he, and we get a whole whole issue of that here, and um, just him just kind of being a badass, and he, but he's killing stormtroopers mm. because he, everyone thinks he's a Jedi. It was cool. Yeah, that I, was pretty fun. We haven't seen this part, but then it ends on the dumbest like. No, that that's way too comic booky. It's not Star Wars moment. Yeah, in which he's just going to face somebody whose entire existence is just to fight. Yeah, and there's a guy like hovering in space with a big sword. 
a cool Jedi. I don't know about this. We'll see. We'll see. Those are our Marvel reviews for the week, which leaves us with a stack of DC books. Let's kick it off with Batman issue 25, the beginning, part one of the War of Jokes and Riddles. Woo! It's going to get easier to say, hopefully, as it continues. (laughs) Uh, This is written by Tom King with uh, pencils by Mikkel Janin. And uh, basically uh, jumps back in time as uh, Batman tells Selina a story um, of, uh, although wouldn't Catwoman be very aware of this? Yeah, right? Like, he's like, no, I have to tell you what really happened. She's like, I was there, bro. <laughs> uh, this is basically That's how Catwoman talks. Um, a, a war between the Joker and the Riddler, who both realize that they have to kill each other before the other one kills Batman. Yeah. Um, just because that, you know, that's like the ultimate joke or the ultimate riddle is, uh, is killing, killing Batman and, and why should the other one rob the other of it? I don't know why I don't find, like, I'm kind of tired of being like, ah, I think from zero year, like, just the thing of going back, like, oh, this is from the beginning of my time as Batman, like, I don't know, we've seen that a lot, haven't we? This is it's kind of like the middle, right? Like, all, all the villains are very well established. Um, in fact, there's a great splash page of all the villains fighting each other, mm. which is really, really fun. I think, like, one of my favorite things about Batman books is seeing all the villains interact mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Batman's rogues gallery is better than Batman, really. Yeah. But a big part of what makes him great at the very least. And there are a lot of villains, we see them all on this splash page as well, a lot of villains that we we don't really know as villains anymore. Yeah. So Clayface is seen here fighting Man Bat and we see Deadshot, who's you know now in, with the Suicide Squad, um, fighting Red Hood. Um, oh, I thought that was Deathstroke. Is it Deathstroke? Deathstroke. I think that's Deathstroke. Okay. Yeah, he's got like a red tinge, so I thought it was Red Hood. You're right, it's Deathstroke. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be really fun to see them all interact in this little mini story. And I do really like, um, like I find this version of the Riddler a little bit odd. Like he's like a bit of a fucking slick guy with his shirt unbuttoned to his belly button and his hair slicked back. Um, but I really like this version of the Joker who's like, I don't know how, like I'm, I haven't found anything funny in a really long time. Yeah. So he's just killing uh, yeah. stand up comedians in this. I'm, I'm not that okay. I don't know why. I just, I see the Riddler as a good guy. Yeah. I know what you mean. And I think that's just, that's just like, you know, that was the era of DC comics yeah. that I, that I grew up with. So I have a lot of trouble seeing him slash someone's neck open uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and kill people. Um, but you know, I, I guess that's you know that's, that's the iteration we're going to see now. Yeah. I, I definitely, I'm glad he doesn't have a fucking orange mohawk like he did. In the, <laughs> but he didn't have it was like a que- it was like a question mark yeah. mohawk during Snyder's Quick run. Thing, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think their the interactions between Riddler and, and Joker were really really great. Yeah, agreed. Um, and um, I think this is a this is a different kind of Joker than we've seen. You know, Snyder just made him this, like, psychopath. This mm. isn't a psychopath. Like, he's definitely, like, a lunatic. But mm. there's a difference. Mm, know your absolutely. psychopaths. Know your lunatics. It's important, guys. Don't call one the other or there'll be trouble. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think I like this. And, it, and this, I reckon this might go down as, like, this might cement Tom King's run as a classic. Mm. This little story here. This will be the, the, the trade that everyone recommends from the run. That's my prediction. Yeah. I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Um, great art by Mikkel Jenner Really well. great and art. He was a... Beautiful Catwoman in the like uh, the, just the final cup little bit. Insanely good colors too. Is it is it is it Belair? It's no, it's no. Uh, June Chung. Yeah, really, really great colors. Good work, June. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so weird that we get 
that this is like Bruce telling Selena in bed yeah. this story. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a story of everyone that you know killing each other <laughs> before we go to sleep. Honeymoon. Uh, so this is a big week for DC, actually. It was uh, their 25th issues mm. issue of uh, of Batman, Superman, and Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Aquaman because that was the biggest change-up. The extra size anniversary issue of, all, of, of this, of Aquaman, is the beginning of Underworld. Um, it's still written by Dan Abnett. But it is written, is drawn by a brand new artist uh, who I think draws and colors all his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, can you please pronounce his name for me? Sure. I will pronounce it completely incorrectly. Stepan Sedgwick. And um, he, is this, is this his first foray into comics or is, is he been... No, I'm, no, he is a big name. <laughs> he's a big name in like... He has this comic called Sunstone, which is like right. a bondage comic, which has a huge, huge fan base. People love it. It's very sexy. We do sell it at Kings. Um, I've not read it, though. That's surprising to me. Yeah, it's surprising to me, too. When someone told me what it was, I was like, why have I not been reading this? This is crazy. Um, but he's he's well known for like doing very sexy, but also very funny takes on characters. So he like, he'll post little one panel sort of jokes about various female superheroes and stuff. And um, he's like genuinely funny, really talented. I really like his stuff. So we gave, we both gave Aquaman a shot when Rebirth started. Uh-huh. I think I made it, I didn't quite make it to 10, but I wasn't far off. And I think I was like two issues and I was like, ah. <laughs> um, the art was, was pretty, you know, stock standard DC, mm-hmm. but the story just felt, you know, you have, you have King Arthur mm-hmm. um, and, and you had, you know, his queen and it was, and it was just, it felt like, you know, very safe and you'd read, you'd read this Aquaman versus the surface, yeah. but he's still trying to be good kind of story before. Um, this is completely different. I don't know what's happened to get us to this point. No, but um, guys, tell us if we need if we should have read some of the like if the Aquaman stuff before this is worthwhile. I mean, here's the thing: though. tell us, and we definitely won't. Well, at least Sean Chavon definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's pretty accurate. But um, good lord, if this is an example of like what a difference an artist makes, like this was such a good issue. I loved it. Um, this is exactly what I want from an Aquaman book. Yeah, hundred percent. And then we have uh, basically, yeah, like a. All the Atlanteans uh, believe, all the Atlanteans higher ups believe that Arthur Aquaman is dead, mm-hmm. um, and for what, whatever something's happened, they, they think they've killed him, but actually he's just underground in the what do they call it? The ninth, the ninth trench, something ninth like trench, that. Ninth trench, yeah, the ninth tried. Yeah, there you go. Um, and that's uh, the, the kind of the the, the lowest, um, the literally the lowest quarter of the city state of Atlantis, mm-hmm. and also the socially lowest too. And so it's where all of the it's the dredges it's mm. the you know it's, it's the underground of of Atlantis. It's where all the and gangs are. So he's hiding out down there, and um, he's got long, sexy hair and a beard again. Yeah, it's and, great. And there are like mutants, I mm-hmm. guess, that are people that have like weird fish features. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the Atlantean government are now tracking those people down to kill them. Mm-hmm. And um, Aquaman decides that you know he can kind of take a page out of Batman's book and be like this dark figure mm-hmm. that 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 stops these these people from being harmed stands yeah. up to the bad guys and this has like a great sort of um swords and sorcery kind of vibe to it like, you know what I, the vibe I really got from it was um Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther mm, absolutely there was, you know the the royalty and the um the underground kind mm-hmm. of vibe yeah mm-hmm. I thought it was well done but like more like a little bit more Game of Thronesy. true um, um, yeah, I loved this. I thought this was like a really compelling story, really well told, beautifully illustrated. I love where it looks like it's going. Yeah, really good fun. Yeah, and uh, it's, it is a this is a big issue too. Yeah, um, all the other um, 
issue 25s that were apparently exercised were only exercised because they had a backup with the first, you know, six pages of Aquaman in the back of them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't put the first six pages of a comic you've just read at the, at the back of it. True. So you've just that would be extra, ridiculous extra Aquaman. Um, and it looks like um, Aquaman might have a new love interest. Yeah. Come. Which is fucked because Mira's been sad. Yeah. And he's only like been dead for two weeks or some shit. Don't cuck Mera. Because <laughs> she will fuck you up, man. That's a dangerous cucking. <laughs> every every episode, I'm like, what the fuck am I going to call this episode? And then Shawan just comes through with the gold. <laughs> Superman, issue 25. Uh, Black Dawn finishes uh, its arc in which we see uh, the return of... What the fuck is his name? Uh, Manchester Black, yeah, um, who is kind of uh, taking control of all of the alien residents of Hamilton County, where mm-hmm. Superman and his family have been living, and he's also taking control of Superboy. So um, basically, he's trying to prove to John Kent that Superman's way is not the way. You've got to kill, or else that's the only way to be a superhero. It's the only way. And um, I can't remember what happens. It's a big dumb battle featuring um, Batman and Frankenstein and Robin and Frankenstein's Bride. Um, and it's you know it's 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 really well well drawn by Doug Manchin um, and uh, Patrick uh, Gleason. And we realized we find out that Lois's leg was not torn off, as we had thought. That was just Manchester Black controlling everyone's brains. Yeah. Why wouldn't he just show that, like Lois had died? Yeah. I don't know. It's worse. Why does a leg? I don't um, want a mum with one leg. So this is basically like their farewell to Hamilton County, um, and uh, Manchester Black's. Uh, Soul has been um, transferred to a cow. Yep. Who now smokes? Very like that was pretty funny. <laughs> and, and, and the issue ends with him getting tipped, which was yep. great. Like not with money, is no. like tipped over. Tipped over. Um, would be funny Coral if you got given money to the. Um, but so the the Cla- the Kents. I was like, what the fuck are they called? The Kents are moving to Metropolis. Everyone. Uh, in fact, they move into Metropolis in Super Sons. We can yeah. talk about that next. Absolutely. Um, but uh, look, I'm, I'm just just going to say now that we have an evil cow and a bat cow. Oh, yeah. They need to meet and either Absolutely. have babies or yes. fight. What would you rather? Have babies and fight. Okay. Or fight. Fight, yeah. That, and then have babies. <laughs> like, haven't you read superhero <laughs> comics? It's always the other way around. Have babies and then their babies fight. Oh, that's a good one. Um, so let's re- talk about Super Sons issue mm-hmm. five, The Battle in the Batcave, uh, written by Peter Tomasi, who also wrote Superman, uh, with art by a new artist on this book, who I thought was awesome. Yeah, did a um, really, really great job. Um, and... Uh, his name is somewhere in this issue, and we'll never find it because it was a bonus issue with Aquaman at the back. And who can go? Here it is, Alison Borges. Nice. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, um, really, really excellent. Really great art. Maintains the like fun of um, what Jimenez has been doing on Boy, the book. Jimenez, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is uh, basically, um, you know, it, it all comes to a head, and um, Superman, Superboy is tired of sneaking off and can't use his power, so he so he runs away and he runs to the Batcave, and he and Robin have a big fight. And, of course, Batman and Superman are there within moments mm-hmm. and reveal to the boys that they used to fight too. Now they're friends. And now they're friends. And um, and basically, like, you know, Superboy is allowed to use his powers, but he has to use them um, with his pal Robin. Yeah. So this is an officially Batman and Superman sanctioned super team, everybody. So fun. That's oh, great. It's a This is a really, really fun, funny, and great book. Yeah. There was, a really, there was also a very funny bit where... Um, both Robin and Superboy are trying to hide from Alfred. And Alfred um, goes, I cannot believe my life has come to a place where I have to say this. 
please step out of the dinosaur's buttocks. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have hidden up the dinosaur's butt in the Batcave. Very funny. Great. And that won our panel of the week over at our Facebook group, which you can join. Facebook.com slash groups slash series. Use podcast. Do it. Um, yeah. Great issue. Real good fun. Um, I also read uh, Injustice number two. I'm going to go to the few DC Elseworlds right now. Nice. Um, uh, written by Tom Taylor with art by um, Daniel Samper. And uh, this uh, basically had um, Harley being forced to work for Rachel Ghoul because um, hmm. she's been on, on the side of the angels. And um, then we have, uh, I don't know, there's a bunch of shit going on. I feel like it's pointless <laughs> me giving you a plot synopsis, but I'm still enjoying this. Nice. There's a bunch of shit going on. I'm enjoying it. Great, Great job. Great review. Uh, do you want to talk about the Wildstorm or Cave Carson next? Uh, let's talk about Wildstorm. Wildstorm V. <laughs> by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt with Steve Bucolato. We're up to issue five of this uh, in which uh, Warren Ellis is essentially reintroducing us to the Wildstorm universe. Mm -hmm. Um, This is another really great issue, impossible to surmise in uh, a plot Mm -hmm. summary. But But again, Warren Ellis does a great job of like, um, there's like pretty much some character development for almost all the characters that we've seen. I, except all the ones that aren't in this issue except all the ones that aren't in this issue um, <laughs> but for a couple of characters there's some great character development I really like um, I like the bad guy I think that he's made a very very compelling bad guy so he's the series. only one whose name I don't remember oh, his name I can always remember his name is uh, Craven yep there you Miles go well he's Craven. great yeah he, he's, he's really compelling and I also like this guy Mike mm-hmm. um, and we see like a flash a flash like back of like him kind of seeing each panel is, is a different moment in his life as mm-hmm. he as he grows up and meets someone that he loves and then goes to war and has to do horrible shit in the war. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a particularly gory panel in there as yeah. well. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're really building up these characters as opposed to, as you know, and, and as they do that, they build up the world too. But I still don't really know what the story is, but I'm completely fine with that. Yep, absolutely. Agreed. I'm really we also see it. the introduction of demons in this world too in this issue, Woo! which was fun. That's always good fun. Great, great issue. Um, I also read Batwoman issue oh, four by um, Marguerite Bennett and James Tinney in the fourth with, as always, totally brilliant art by Steve Epting. Um, this is pretty good fun. We still haven't seen <laughs> I've had to, like, flick through and remind myself of what happened in it. I'm enjoying it. Um, we still haven't really seen, like, the big bad who um, appears to be Batwoman's ex from the time that she spent on this, like, island of rebels or something um, called Sophia. Sophia? Whatever. Anyway. It's good. I like it. Yeah, I think it was this. This book has made her skin completely white, even when she's just regular Kate Kane. Yeah, go, I think. Go back I, to when Detective started. Her skin was not pale white. I reckon it kind of was. It was definitely pale, but like not. not white. Anyway, now she's like she's like a scary ghost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, which you think would make people go like, I'm pretty sure that's Batwoman. There's yeah. no one else that has that that color skin. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. It's a like it's a solid book. I think. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, issue number nine from DC's Young Animal Print by uh, Jared Way, John Rivera, Michael Avon Erming, and Nick Folardi. Um I am usually like, I understand what's going on in this book more than some of the other um, Young Animals books. I have no idea. I feel like I missed an issue or something. I have no idea what was happening in no, this, but I still liked it. Yeah, so they, they, they've introduced like, all the action is taking place on a diamond ring that an alien with like a Big boner is going. Oh, I didn't even notice he had a big boner. Wow, is, how did I miss that? Yeah, he's about to give uh, his, give so his, his partner who has like big metal boobs. Yep. Um, really, really fucking strange. But like, like Siobhan said, still fun. Yeah. 
If you, because this makes sense to anyone. This book. I don't know. I felt like I was. I really felt like I was on top of it as of the last issue, and then this issue, I was like, oh, I clearly don't know what's going on. But look, even if you don't make sense of it, uh, these books, the young animal books, are always worth reading because they have incredible back matter. And uh-huh. this week, we get um, two pages of uh, of prose by um, Mark Russell, who did the Flintstones. Oh, cool. Um, and he writes all about um, rocks, the wonderful world of rocks. And uh, and like just like weird, funny space stuff and people's relationships to discovery, that kind of thing. Uh, it's really fun and highly recommended. And then we also get another page out of um, Bane's Coloring Corner, which I really hope they collect as a coloring book. That would be book. so fun. And this is uh, like a, a, a like a maze of uh, of water slides for Bane to go down. You got to pick the right one. Really fun. Interactive fun. Love it. Great stuff. Those are our DC reviews, which leaves us with Image. Woo! Some good image books this week, including yep. Headlopper number two of four nice. of the second run. So this is issue number six, actually. Uh, and the Crimson Tower is the name of this story. And uh, it is all about uh, Headlopper and a bunch of other uh, creatures making their way up this big tower for a big battle. To steal some crystal eyes. Real fucking great. Yeah. Fun. Just um, always like the the um, reaction panels where they where Andrew McLean changes headloppers like he'll have a more distinct face and then he'll become just a big white beard with eyes and like a a mouth yeah um that's just my favorite thing ever it always makes me laugh yeah totally like the art's so great and um the and, colors are amazing and the story is yeah it's really like building up to something quite quite epic as mm. various characters that we've met in this run you know get picked off one by one it does such a good job of balancing like really cool interesting kind of real feeling mythology with like it being quite sort of silly and lighthearted. yeah i think when, it's amazing when the witch calls these little creatures boogers yep <laughs> real funny that's really fun you can also get if you're a big headlopper fan like we are you can actually buy a headlopper toy now yeah i want that a bit i'm it's, not much of a toy person but that's really big cool vinyl, big vinyl figure which you can get from uh the skeleton crew studio I think I'm going to quickly buy one of those as soon as we stop recording. Mm, yeah, I think that's a good call. Does your baby want one? No. Is that a good uh, getting born <laughs> present, a headlopper toy? Maybe. That's pretty sick. Um, There's also a preview in the back for um, the new Rich Tommaso series, Spy Seal, which is really cool looking yeah, and I, I really wait. like. I started reading this and I was like, no, you know what? I want to read it all when the issue comes out, so I'll yeah. wait. It's a good um, call. So great. What's that insane cover you've got? on the? Yeah, I got a really good cover of a headlopper this week. I can't, of, I'm not sure of, who Of a head getting lopped. Yeah, it's real good. Pretty and also, crazy. it looks like there might be more Headlopper merch available at laserwolfattack.com. I'm going to look into that. Where? Holy moly. Streetwear, patches, and pins. Let's go. Let's all go. I there love now. streetwear. <laughs> you are. Everyone knows that. Uh, God Country, number six, is the last issue of this book written by Donny Cates uh, with art by Jeff Shaw and um, Jason Wordy with D. Kanufi. Nice. Um, this, uh, did you not read this? No, I stopped reading this. Yeah. It just uh, wasn't really for me. I think it, it ended quite sweetly. Um, there was a sacrifice and oh. it, it, it felt earned. Nice. I don't want to tell you who it is um, in case you do decide to read it. And I'm sure we have listeners that plan on picking this one up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, look, it, it, uh, it didn't end as strongly as it began, but it ended more strongly than the middle issues. Nice. Mm. Good review. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, while we're talking about comics from Image that I read that you didn't, yeah. Invincible number 137, uh, part five of the final arc. 12 issue final arc called The End of All Things. Mentum has finally gotten to a very fun point. And uh, we see all of the Viltramites, I don't remember how to pronounce it, but the aliens that Invincible is. 
Um, there's a bunch of them that have been undercover on Earth, having regular lives, starting families for the last few years, and they all get told to come and help fight. And uh, it's like a really fun issue of them revealing themselves to their families and then coming to join the battle. Nice. It's uh, the stakes are getting higher and higher. It's it, it's feeling like it's building towards something epic in scope. Um, I also read something that you didn't read, which was the final issue of Sean Lewis and Hayden Sherman's The Few, uh-huh. um, which is a sort of future set terrorists. Are you a terrorist or are you a freedom fighter? Book. Um, I think. Which it was are you? A, uh, I think I'm a. I think I'm a freedom fighter. That's how I like to see myself. Anyway. Let us know, listeners. Um, what is your vibe? <laughs> I think this was a really solid ending to a book that I think. Um. Ended up much more satisfying than the way it began. It began really quite difficult to follow and hard to read, and I think it had quite a rewarding payoff. Um, I think it'll be a nice one collected in trade, and I really like the art. Hmm. Awesome. Great. Um, yeah, I think I, I probably will give that a, a, a crack once the trade comes out because yeah. Uh, yeah, it was quite fragmented, that first issue. Um, let's talk about the comics that we did both read. Yeah, there's like four of them. Let's start with the old god, old the old god, the old god, the old god by uh, Jeff Rucker, Greg Rucker, fucking hell, <laughs> uh, and Leandro Fernandez. Um, this is the uh, colors by Daniela Miwa. I just think is worth yeah, pointing out right, because the colors are exceptional. Um, so uh, this is the story about the um, people who can live forever. Um, until fact, they die. Until they die. But they, they, uh, the main character reveals that she's lived for like 6,000 years or something. No, it was like 6,700,000 years or something. Like that. that wasn't a number, but you know what I mean. Yep. Lots. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years. No, it was like thousands of years. I thought she said hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Either way, a lot of years, guys. Yeah. Um, and so this um, is the end of this first arc of this mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant book that, uh, you know, really points out that if you could live forever you probably wouldn't want to what a satisfying like first arc as well because i'm excited to see where it goes from here but there was real consequences it wraps everything up yeah so real good this this could have been the end this could have just been a mini series and and it would have been very very satisfying but uh yeah no i i I really enjoyed this and i love that like you know because they can live forever and because they cannot die sorry Mm. Um, they really like they'll, they'll they jump out of windows and you know yeah. fall thirty stories to land on the ground and then just pick themselves back up you know mm. with their eyes hanging out of their eye sockets and stuff like that taking a bunch of bullets. I love the new character who's joined yep. them the new uh, immortal Nile she's very she's very excellent and I love that like you know even though they're betrayed by one of their own kind like what more can they do than forgive him because what else is he going to do Yeah exactly yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought this is awesome. Awesome end of the first arc, and uh, Rucker set up such a good little um, universe. Yeah, to play around in. And while it's a shame it's going to go away for a few months while they uh, work on the next arc, guess what's coming back next week? Ah, it's Black Magic. Black Magic. <laughs> I'm so Greg, excited, guys. Greg Rucker's uh, ongoing. Uh, it only got five issues in with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, art by Nicola Scott. Mm-hmm. I'm very fucking amped for that to return. I am extremely fucking amped. Cool. Um, Royal City. Issue number four by Jeff Lemire uh, continued this uh, very sad look at a bunch of sad people in a sad town, and it's the best. Yep, excellent. You always sort of wonder, like, when a writer writes a character who is a writer, how much is kind of um, a bit autobiographical. Yeah, totally. Um, So this is mostly told through the perspective of the writer character, and it's very... It's very sad, and oh my it's god, a, that scene in the church. Yeah, totally. And heartbreaking. Are you, are you are you also suggesting that um, that Jeff Lemire stole all his stories from his dead brother's journal? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I knew it's up to us to uncover 
this this mystery. This mystery, yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, the the, the 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 payoff of this, the final, the fi- those final pages, yeah, and, um, in which the the older brother lets go of, of of the very thing that potentially would be holding, keeping his brother, you know, t- tied to the earth. I thought was really powerful, and also the thing that could potentially save his career. Yeah, yeah. very clever. I, I I don't know how long this is planning to run for, um, but it's wow, what a good series. Totally, real good stuff. Um, we got another issue of uh, Jonathan Hickman and uh, what's his name? Coker. Uh, Tom Coker's um, The Black Monday Murders. This is issue six. Um, and uh, this was, I just want to give kudos to the team for writing an issue that only took me 10 minutes to read. I know. I was going to say this was like the speediest and most like coherent <laughs> issue of the whole run, but um, still really good fun. Yeah. So this ties into like our kind of our, our class system as humans, mm. our, the stock market and money. Mm-hmm. And the fact that maybe a demon has been influencing these things this whole time. Yeah. Real good fun. And I love s- it. We see it from two people that have been investigating it their whole lives and then the people within that circle. And then we see some scary murders. There's some very scary murders. I this is it. great. Yeah, this is fun. such a good book. And Tom Coker's art is really, really great. It suits it so well. It's a book that I would like actually not recommend reading in trade. I love getting these little chapters of it mm. here and there. I mean, you definitely want to keep the older chapters nearby when you're like, what the fuck's happening again? But... But each issue by itself is a satisfying read. I agree. It's almost too much in trade. <laughs> Finally, Plastic, uh, issue number three, written by uh, Doug Wagner and art by uh, Daniel Hilliard, with colors by Laura Martin. This is the uh, grossest comic on the stands right now, and we it's, love it. It's so funny because Lynn from Kings um, is like, she doesn't, like, she thought Harry Potter was too scary. Wait, like, Lynn's not here this week. Yeah, I know. Lynn's, did, they, Lynn's did people start using the hashtag and Lynn, <laughs> Lynn got fired? Yeah, look, guys. Hashtags matter. Um, but Lynn loves plastic, which is really funny because she has she hates anything that's like sexual. She hates anything that's like too um, like scary, but she loves plastic, which I'm like, I feel responsible for bringing that into your life and I'm really into it. Making her like gross shit. Yep, so I love it. This is the, the story of the ex-CIA agent who uh, uh, repressed his bad urges by getting a, uh, a plastic sex doll yeah. and has been living a very content life until that doll gets stolen from him. By some criminals and so, who, who are tied into some corrupt police, mm-hmm. and uh, this brings him—he uh, cr- crosses paths with uh, with a girl who is almost raped by a by a sheriff, mm-hmm. and he basically like not even like purposely like tries to stop the rape. He just happens he has separate beef with the with, <laughs> his, with the sergeant, so uh, beheads him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like that. This is such a like such a gross comic like really really horrible and like the sheriff is really horrible and the attempted rape is like really um graphic uh, and yeah really graphic and horrific and then there's a panel that really makes me laugh where like he because he's like the reason he kills the sheriff is because the sheriff licked virginia which is the sex doll and so he puts the head in a bag and writes liquor on it and delivers it to the um crime boss and writes, return Virginia, please, in blood. in blood. Like, that really made me laugh. Yeah, so now we're going to get a, a team up, uh, I guess. He's now, uh, it's he and him and the girl uh, in, in this, is he still in the police car? Yeah, with, with the original sheriff who um, is has been shot through the head. So it's a man who's been shot through the head, a, a attempted rape victim, and potentially a serial killer who was never caught. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so much fun. It's a lot of fun. Plastic. If you like gross shit, get on board. 
Those are our image reviews. Now it's time to go to the other section of the, of the shelves. We've got a nice big stack of other section. Uh, should we start with Archie? Yeah. We never start with Archie. And yeah, why, why not? not start with one of the worst issues of Archie so far? Yeah, this was this is a weird one, right? I yeah, don't so really understand what's going on. Mark Wade. Oh, you know what? I actually didn't think this was a bad issue, but continue. Mark Wade with Pete Woods. I, I don't think it's a bad issue. I just don't know why they're doing what they're doing. At the end of the last issue, there was a car crash. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, this is an awesome issue. What am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so this, this sees... This sees, uh, I'm glad we record this podcast, all of the emotions that we get to. <laughs> this sees uh, all of Riverdale respond to the news that there has been a car crash involving mm-hmm. um, Betty. One of our faves. Invo- yeah, wow. invo- yeah, fuck, I fucked it. But I mean, oh, they were all, I think, I think at the end of it, it was like Betty, Archie, or, or, uh, or Reggie. Reggie. Um, we're, all, we're all involved in a crash and who's going to be affected. And so and we get to see lots of little hijinks, like lots of what everyone's up to in Riverdale before they hear the news. And like the little Jughead story at the beginning was really funny. Jughead tries to get a job at Pops to work off his um, crippling debt. Crippling debt and like ruins a date in the most like hilarious way. Um, and then, you know, we see Raj immediately leaves. Raj is trying to make his movie. Um, and, and then, uh, Mr. Weatherby is still is at the school on the weekend and he, he's about to get them busted and then he gets a phone call and runs away. Then we, then we check in with um, Veronica, whose dad makes her convince him to buy her a car. Mm-hmm. I thought was, that was really funny. And then she gets the call and runs away. And then finally we get Dilton and Moose. Um, before they get the call and we catch up at the hospital. But I, I really enjoyed, that was a great, great storytelling device of seeing them all mm. going about their regular day throughout Riverdale and then responding to this news that... Um, Betty's, Be- Betty's not doing so great, guys. So Betty is in a hospital and apparently the last issue said that um, it was going to affect their lives forever. Mm. Um, do you reckon they're going to like put her on crutches or a wheelchair? I really or- wouldn't be surprised if that's where it went. Which... I don't know. That's how, fine. How does that make you feel? Um, I think <laughs> it does make me feel complicated. I think that it's always good. Um, we don't get much disability um, awareness in comics in general. So I think it's always good. But it seems a little weird to cripple a character out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, I... Uh I wonder that uh, you can't really have Will Archie choose Betty and Veronica yeah. if one of them is in a wheelchair as well. Why not? No, as in like, <laughs> as in Archie's a dick if he doesn't choose oh, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Especially this new woke Archie. Like, he, yeah. yeah. What's going to happen? I don't know. But maybe, I don't know. I, I think maybe it'll be like she has a long recovery time and mm. maybe that's what it's going to realize. Archie's going to realize that he loves Betty. Maybe. Like I don't know. I was sort of enjoying the budgeting. Betty Dilton romance. <laughs> yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, that was Archie. Mm-hmm. Dark Horse put out a bunch of comics this week. Mm. Uh, some of our faves. Um, and one of them that was actually the final issue. Which Did you read this? <laughs> no. Aliens, well, classic me. Aliens Defiance uh, by Brian Wood, um, Eduardo Jackson. Sorry, Eduardo Francisco and Dan, Dan Jackson. This was the book that started out with uh, Australia's own Tristan Jones on mm-hmm. art duties for the first five or six issues, but I, th- I don't think he uh, is able to keep up to a monthly schedule. Fair enough. His art is very intricate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really loved this book for uh, for a long, long time, and it ends in a strangely abrupt way, but Brian Wood is kind of the king of doing that. And in fact, he did it just a month ago with Black Road. Yep. Um, so, look, I think this is a very... It's still, it's still a satisfying ending, and I think overall the story is absolutely worth 
reading if you are an Aliens fan. I think it pre- presented a very different take on an Alien-style story with a, a great main character. So um, if you're an Aliens fan, I highly recommend when it comes out in trade, Aliens Defiance. Nice. Probably the best Aliens that. comic. I, 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 you know, It's very different to the Dead Orbit that we mm-hmm. were reading. But I think, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a very good, very good one. Hmm. Black Hammer, though. You read that? Yeah. Of course you did. Uh, of course I did. I'm not crazy. Jeff Lemire, Dean Ormston, and Dave Stewart. Uh, for another chapter in the lives of these superheroes that are trapped in a, um, in like a kind of boring world mm-hmm. um, that they can't leave, um, and it's as it, as this this continues, it seems like more and more of the, uh, the, the the superhero team that it's trapped are the ones that trapped them there to begin with, mm. right? I'm starting to suspect not just one. Like there's the one that's very obviously is the reason yeah. they're there, but then there's another one that I think actually plays a big part in that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very interesting and compelling. I like it a lot because the new character in town who is now stuck here is sort of like, you guys have stopped trying to get out. Yeah. And that's becoming more and more apparent why that is um, issue by issue. And it's so good and the art's so good and I love it. Actually, three. Actually, we, we, we know two characters. Mm. We know two characters are, are actively not, not letting everyone leave. But um, there is a third character who I think is, oh, yeah. is also a part of it too. Who do you think? Um, this this old boy here. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. Like this isn't a visual podcast, or else we would have uh, spoiled, spoiled it for everybody. It. We don't do spoils on Black Hammer. It's too good of a book. It's too good, guys. You really should read it. Uh, Dave Stewart did colors on Black Hammer. He also did colors on the Shaolin Cowboy issue number three. Who will stop the rain? Written and drawn by Jeff Darrow. Um, if you thought plastic was gross, this uh, hit new levels of gross, featuring uh, a uh, like pig farts. Mm-hmm. And uh, like uh, karate, like ninja dogs that one of them is just continually shitting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it does so with like this level of grace that you just like it doesn't feel like it's so beautifully drawn. It's so beautifully Jeff Darrow drawn. is so amazing, and it's such an onslaught of ridiculous things being thrown at you that it never feels like it's so knowingly over the top that it yeah. never feels crass. And it's so funny that like all of these characters who are who have decided that um, the Shaolin Cowboys they're like mortal enemy it's, it's because he ate various members of their families yeah it's very funny i guess i like he's like a portly guy like he's a pretty fat dude. yeah 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 um so yeah I mean, there's one more issue of this this great mini series left and i think this is my favorite shaolin cowboy series it's so really fun and it's a book that like you can read it quickly but if you spend a long time pouring over each panel there's so much like there's so many funny jokes in the background so me and, and you can and, spend so long just looking at it yeah it's beautiful um, love it you, you owe it to yourselves to read this this is the kind of book as well that like if an absolute edition came out like where it was yeah. all blown up and big man that'd be beautiful absolutely <coughs> i'd love to see this. i also Gi- love the dogs that had knives for <laughs> yes totally gigantic pig shitting in absolute edition ah, great so great um i read depth issue number 15 by matt kint and charlene kint have you given up on this book or are you just that far just, behind yeah i'm just that far behind um, this was uh, a book that delved into the, the backstory of our main character again, but in a really trippy way that it feels like these mu- these could potentially be her final moments or a, a drug-induced state because she's running out of oxygen. Um, so not drug-induced, just a condition-induced mm. uh, state. Uh, the, the Her backstory is so sad. Everyone's oh. backstory in this book is, is so sad. You know, we, we always talk about Lemire writing these super sad characters kent kent isn't bad at it either you know mm. yeah this is a great book depth looks beautiful and uh, is a compelling read 
Nice. Um, so we've got uh, a couple of other little books to read through. Oh, you're such a turkey. I know. You know what you didn't read? The second issue oh of my God. Victor Laval's Destroyer. I think I must have read that. The Did Frank, I? the Frankenstein's yeah. monster oh, book. Oh no, I fucking missed it. Oh, I hate man. myself. So okay, I, I want to run, run you through like when when we were reviewing this. Occasionally, I'll be like, I'll have my heart set on it. I'll be like, I didn't like this, and then you'll say something about it, and I'll be like, fuck, maybe I did like it. So I kept my mouth shut. I didn't like that for the first issue of this whatsoever. Yeah, but you liked it so much. That and then I, I forgot like, to read issue two. Yeah. <laughs> so and I was like, you know what? I'll give this a second shot. This issue was so good. Yeah. This is such Fuck. a cool modernization of of Frankenstein. Sometimes things sell out on the shelf before I get a chance to grab I them. I bet you there's a hundred copies of this shelf. <laughs> Boom! Put it out. It's written by Victor Laval with art by Dietrich Smith. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like a modernization of the original Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. um, waking up in our time. And he just fucking hates all humans. Fair he just, enough. He just fucking hates them. Um, and meanwhile, um, there is another scientist who is uh, reanimating her son. And uh, she is like a kind of super scientist designing mm-hmm. some crazy stuff. And uh, her Frankenstein's monster, has her son, has some insane powers, including the ability to evaporate weapons. Uh, this is great. It has you know a lot to say on like updating a, a monster tale in, in today's society. Mm. And... Uh, it's great. It's the art's great. The colors are awesome. Who are the colors by um, Johanna La Fuente? Um, it's a really good book. So thank you for uh, insisting that I give it another chance. And I'm, that's one that I'm genuinely going to catch up on. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you should you should give us another chance, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, which leaves me with a few other books to re- to review. Sorry, I didn't uh, read these. You don't read this book anyway. No. Colossi by Vault uh, through Vault um, Vault Comics, who do Heathen that we really like. Um, I love their 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 paper stock, so I always give all their books a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, being written by uh, Ricardo Mo with art by Alberto Muriel. And it's about a bunch of people that um, either get shrunk or get transported to a world in which they are tiny. Always classic. And um, there are like weird, like kind of demons in this world. It's very confusing. Um, and I'm going to, there's one issue left, I think, of either the first arc or maybe the series as a whole. I'm super lost at the end of issue three, but I'm going to give it one more shot for issue four nice. and let you know how the, how the, how the first four issues were as a whole when Please it comes do. out. Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Big Lie, number four. I just gave up on this a little bit. I don't blame you. It's, it is somewhat rewarding. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gotten too. Like, I remember when the first issue came out, I was saying, this is what Riverdale should have done. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like a nice updated version of, of these characters, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, but without getting too edgy. But now it's gone full Riverdale and just feels like, it just feels like teenagers being edgy. And, mm. the, 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 and the mystery is like, it's less, I don't know, I wanted it to still feel like a pulpy mystery and it doesn't anymore. So I think I might drop it too. Lame. It's a bit of a slog. Um, and finally, before we get to the last comic that we both read, do you remember this book, Normals, about the uh, Yeah, I intentionally was like, I don't want to read the next I was issue like, of this. Oh, this is the one we, we panned it, issue one. It came out through Aftershock, written by Adam Glass, art by Dennis Calero, about the uh, super white bread family who one day wake up and work out that they are robots. Mm. Um, I was like, you know, it, was, it, was, it felt like a pretty by-the-numbers first issue, but because I felt like they had a lot to kind of tell, I thought yeah. I'd give the second issue a chance. Page three mm. is where I stopped reading. Nice. Because... After plummeting to the bottom of a ravine, uh, this is what the main character says. So that's how I got here at the bottom of this ravine. Deader than Kanye West Korea. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Please. The guy hasn't put out a good album in years and he married a Kardashian. You do the math. And I was like, 
You don't know anything about Kanye West. <laughs> also, like, that's that's probably the most annoying kind of pop culture reference is being like, yeah, I said it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I'm was, a white guy. Yeah, it sucks. Commenting on rap. How annoying. Um, I, I, just, I don't know. It seems so petty to be like, you don't know anything about Kanye West. <laughs> but I just, like, I was just like, it's not even in line with, like, Kanye West's career at the moment. And yeah. also, he's done at least two good albums in the last few yeah. years. So. Ridiculous. That's end. That's end of my run on the no- on the normals. Yep. Good call. <laughs> um, finally, glad I didn't read it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe this is just that he's actually so good at writing this shitty character. That's <laughs> what this ca- shitty character thinks. Maybe. Um, Ninjak and Shadow Man in Rapture. This uh, book by Matt Kent again, mm-hmm. without by Kafu um, over for Va- over at Valiant, um, is the uh, team up of Tama, Ninjak, Punk, Mambo, and Shadow Man. Really fun issue, I thought. Yeah, in which they recruit some other old guy. It was really, yeah, really fun. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a lot of, they're balancing a lot of different characters here, but it remains compelling and fun all the way throughout. And the bad guy is the guy who built the Tower of Babel. That's right. Yeah, fun. Yeah, and, and he has a killing word. Yep. And he, so he's t- all of his minions can learn this killing word. And Ninjak realizes that in order to, uh, that to allow his him and his partners to fight this 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 monster he deafens them so they can't hear mm, pretty clever very clever and i like the way that um kent writes babel like he gives him really interesting um speech patterns and like uses the text in funny ways like some words are yes. backwards and some words are colored and so you get the sense of like th- he's speaking differently it was good fun yeah that was really fun mm. yeah um so yeah it was a good good good, good comic good valiant book i wanted to mention a couple of things quickly because um uh, people who listen to the podcast or know anything about me know that I talk about um, Shortbox a lot, which mm-hmm. is a really excellent quarterly sort of curated box of comics um, from the um, woman who runs Comics and Cola, Zainab Akhtar in um, the UK. And I just got box number four like two weeks ago, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and read much of it. And box number five is up for sale right now. So I would really highly recommend getting on that picking up box number five because um, it looks totally incredible. Like there's some really incredible talent in that book. But I managed to read a couple of issues from um, this uh, box number four. So I read Super Itis by Richie Pope, which was um, really, really cool. It's about a guy who's like on his lunch break and then he falls asleep and he has this really weird sort of hallucination trip with a piece of macaroni. Um, And that was really, really good fun. And then I also read Right, Right, Kill, by Shivana Sukdio, which is about a writer who is his manuscripts keep being rejected, and then he realizes that he can see these sort of golden ribbons coming from people's mouths, and if he kills them, he can steal their ribbons, and he becomes a really successful writer in stealing their words. Um, and it's very, like, really um, clever use of. Uh, blank space and panel structure and panel layouts really great art really great colors really beautifully presented um, oh man the art looks awesome yeah one, you'd yeah. really really like it it's a really solid single issue especially because the dude kind of looks like Tintin <laughs> in a weird way um, but yeah I really I really highly recommend picking up short box um, in box number five you get um, comics by Nicole Miles, Rosemary Valero O'Connell. Um, there's one called The Tar Pit by Jeremy Cerise, which looks so, so good. Um, Musings of a Muslim Hipster by Ariba Siddiqui, which looks really good fun. Heaps more. It's one of the coolest things in comics, guys. You should pick it up. Definitely. Um, so uh, we have a Patreon. Yes. And uh, this week we are going to be recording um, 
a bonus episode with uh, Ryan Griffin, mm-hmm. uh, the creator of Clever Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about you know, the comics that he grew up with and what he wants to do in comics as well. And mm-hmm. hopefully it'll be a fun interview. That episode will go up uh, for free in our regular feed. But while we were hanging out on Wednesday, Siobhan, yeah. Uh, I thought we've been we've been reading all these extra graphic novels and nice. we very rarely have time to talk about them at the end of our regular episodes. So mm-hmm. I thought as a bonus to our patrons, mm-hmm. um, we are going to start a, a Patreon feed. Cool. Um, we're already having to record. We, next month we're going to record a, um, a special bonus episode in which uh, we talk about uh, one particular comic or subject or, or creator, which you'll yeah. be able to vote for next week. Um, but I thought this week, while we were recording, after Ryan or before, we mm-hmm. can review all of the uh, all the graphic novels that we've that we've read in the awesome. last, That's a great last, idea. last month, and we'll do that every single month. Cool. So if you would like access to that, and we'll, that'll be up at the end of the week, um, patreon.com slash serious issues is where you head to. And uh, for as little as like $2 a month, mm-hmm. that's Australian too, so it's a lot less for you if you're listening elsewhere, <laughs> um, little as $2 a month, you can uh, get access to all the bonus content. And man, we've got... We've got a lot to, to catch up on. Um, mm-hmm. Siobhan's already written an incredible list for our exclusive patron only, um, uh, what's it called? Mailing list. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through something as well. And what we're getting you? Lynn. We're getting Lynn on it as oh, well. Oh, wow. Lynn from Kings is going to write something. Her first yeah. ever writing gig is with, uh, with Kings. And don't yeah. worry, we're using some of that sweet Patreon money to pay our writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, I'm getting her to write... Um, her favorite comics about dogs. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so great. So, look, we've we got a ton of serious issues comment, content coming mm. to you uh, very soon via our Patreon. Please uh, sign up if you haven't already, um, if you're able to, that is. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't cost much. And, it, you know, the, what the, the small amount of money you can, you can pass on each month goes a long way and allows us to create more content for you. So, it's patreon.com slash serious issues. Uh, before we talk about all those other things, let's talk about what we're going to get next week. Um, because it's another massive week, which is why I made the decision to... Uh, we were kind of waiting for a yeah. quiet week to fit in all the graphic novel reviews, but... It's a good call to yeah, put some time. It's just insane. Uh, so next week is another enormous week. Um, the most exciting release for me is the uh, sixth issue of Black Magic. Yes. Greg Rucker good and Lord. Uh, Scott. And guys, um, there is some... If, if you're into Black Magic and the world of that... Um, they're, they're making some pretty exciting Black Magic merchandise. Really? <laughs> like spell kits. Oh, wow. And like um, cool like leather-bound notebooks and stuff like that, which are coming out really soon, which look awesome. Um, we also get uh, the latest Valiant um, miniseries. It's like a miniseries called Secret Weapons, um, which is written by uh, the, the guy who wrote the script for Arrival. Oh, cool. Movie. Yeah, and uh, Eric Eric Heiserero, mm-hmm. and uh, with great art by Roel Allen, and that looks like a really strong series that I'm looking forward to, to reading. We also get the final issue of Greg Rucker's Wonder Woman run. And the final issue of Supergirl being super. Oh, so yeah. two DC female-led superhero books that we've really enjoyed mm-hmm. coming to an end. <laughs> um, from, on the trades front, um, there's two that I would recommend everyone pick up if you haven't read it in single. Uh, the AD After Death. Nice. Hardcover by Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire, collecting all three of the big magazine format issues that they did together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first trade of Motro. <coughs> yes. By uh, Ulysses Farinas and Eric Freitas comes out next week. So definitely pick those two up because they're two, two things that I champion pretty hard on the podcast. And Absolutely. Agreed. Did too. Um, so yeah. Stacks of great stuff coming out next week and also stacks of just regular stuff. Um, and we'll review all of it 
I mean, I mean, look, look, let's be honest. Saga issue 44 is highly regular stuff, yeah. but I can't be like, oh, a new saga. Actually, I can't be like, fuck <laughs> it, there's a new saga. I'm excited, everybody. Uh, you can find us online, facebook.com slash serious issues podcast, or join our group, which is facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast, and you, that will be the, your way to vote on what we record next month's bonus episode about. Yeah, cool. Um, one thing, sorry, I really quickly wanted to mention is that. Um, the final thing that I'm doing at King's before I go away on maternity leave is um, we are hosting the second annual King's Comics Zine Fair um, on July 8th. If you're in Sydney, should be really good fun. I'm really excited about this year's um, event. We've got like eight amazing um, creators and we have like a really sick 5-3 female-male split, which I'm really geeked about. There's some really awesome local creators who are going to be um, going to be spotlighting so if you are interested in um local australian made comics and you're based in sydney please come on down because that'll be really good fun incredible um you can also find us on twitter we are twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues what is at serious underscore underscore issues mm-hmm. um you can find us individually at siobhan cbg or at levdog l-e-v-d-a-w-g come and say hello to us we love talking with all listeners Absolutely. uh and uh, you can find our podcast at planet b planetbcasting.com and nice. all the other planet podcasting podcasts over there. I've uh, spent the last the weekend uh, doing uh, I'm, I'm doing a market stall. Actually, if you're in Sydney, come to the Penrith Collectors Mania. Oh, Fair. wow, cool. Good call. I have a uh, I've got a table there this weekend and mm-hmm. I'm selling a bunch of comics and a bunch of statues and toys. Nice. Um, Pl- Penrith Collector Mania Fair if you are if you're in Sydney and and are able to get to Penrith mm. this Sunday it is this Sunday. I'll be selling a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want. Nice. That, that you definitely <laughs> will want because it's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm on the Planet Broadcasting front. Uh, while, while I was packing up all my stuff to sell on the table, I've been listening to one of the podcasts, Do Go On. Oh, yeah. In which uh, like it's like three comedians from Melbourne and one of them has like a topic. Um, so like they did recently one on like the life of Charlie Chaplin or they'll mm-hmm. talk about like a really cool mystery or they'll have like Nick Mason from Weekly Planet will guest and like talk about something really nerdy, like the history of like Marvel comics. Nice. And then it's up to the comedians to just like try and like interrupt and, and make <laughs> make dumb jokes throughout the t- whole time. And then do go on, tell your story, do go on. It's good. It's a that really, sounds really fun. It's a really good podcast. And I, uh, I think one of the more popular ones on Planet Broadcasting. So I'll, I will join, join the cult yeah. of do go on. And uh, recommend all you, everyone else listening do the same. Um, is that it for us? Serious issues at kingscomics.com is where you can email us. Yeah, I think so. And that is it. Thanks so Thanks much guys. to Kings Comics for letting us read all your comics and record here. And we'll see you next week. See you soon. Enjoy the bonus episodes this week, y'all. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.